welcome to the Pope on Film! I am Bunny Williams, and with me is... I am the Pope in question. My name is Reverend Steve. I am the founder of the Church of Ed Wood, which is an actual thing worth a Google. It is episode 415 of the podcast. Don't question that number. Why would we lie to you? We're podcasters. They don't just give a podcast to anyone. Uh, and this is going to be an episode where just... We're really going to be killing a lot of birds. <coughs> going to be focused <coughs> so much on bird killing. Yes. This is, for whatever reason, this episode, we're going to be obsessed with killing birds. This week's movie is The Suicide Squad. So, killing a lot of birds today. Thank God. You know, there are too many birds, and, you know, the whole tweet, tweet, tweet every fucking morning. Please. Don't start with me on the goddamn birds. Yeah, too many birds, not enough clothes hangers. Clothes. Clothes. Uh, FYI, I took an edible about an hour and 45 minutes ago, and it has kicked in. So this is going to be a great episode of the podcast. Uh, today we're going to be talking about police violence, the new Marvel movie, Emus. Yes. Emus. 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 Uh, potato tomato. We're going to be talking about Sylvester Stallone, David Ayer, the movie Bright. It's going to be crazy. And of course, we're going to be taking a deep dive into the movie The Suicide Squad. So, let's get to it! Oh, I also forgot. We're going to be talking about Willem Dafoe's penis later. So, look for that. It's going to yes. be exciting. All Willem Dafoe penis. All the time. Okay, now let's get to it. Buddy! Mm. Yes! Well, the summer is over, and you know what that means. That means that we no longer have to watch movies in the IMDb Bottom 100. Oh, thank the fucking Lord Jesus Christ, this summer sucked. Yes. Yes, it did. So hard. So badly. But now that we're done, now that we've made it through that dark, dank cave that was... (laughs) the summer of bottoming and now that here we are on the other side of summer facing a bright new future a future that's full of happiness and promise so let's start this episode of the podcast on a positive note and talk about how all cops are violent fucking bastards okay yay So this summer, the NYPD, which it should be noted is the largest police department in the entire United States, uh, the NYPD announced that it will be training all 35,000 plus police officers in de-escalation tactics using a new system. It's called ICAT, and it's by Perth. Okay, so ICAT stands for Integrating Communications Assessment and Tactics. That's the new de-escalation system. And the training 
was created was concocted by PERF, which stands for the Police Executive Research Forum. Oh, nice. And so, okay. And so ICAT is de-escalation training for police in situations where the subject doesn't have a gun. Fun fact, Bunny! Well, not so fun. But since 2015, according to the Washington Post, 40% of all people killed by police did not have a gun! Go figure. Go fucking figure. Nearly half of all people killed by police did not have a gun. So PERF is going to be teaching the NYPD their new ICAT system. Wow, that's a lot of letters. And that has to be a really hard job. So what's your job? Oh, I, uh... I, I'm one of those... I'm a pit crew for NASCAR. I've got to change four tires in 2.5 seconds. Oh, that's a difficult job. What's uh, your job? Oh, got to teach kindergartners and first graders uh, not to eat each other's uh, boogers. No, no, even no, uh, uh, I do active shooter drills. Yes. Got to teach preschoolers about a crazed white guy with a gun trying to kill you. Oh, what's your job? Oh, I've got to teach the NYPD not to fucking shoot people. It's like, oh, yeah. fuck. We've got a winner. Ding, 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 motherfucker. Goddamn. You might as well teach a fish not to swim. Today's lesson, we are concentrating on teaching the police how to tell the difference between a gun and a banana. Okay. So... Here's the first situation. So, a black teen is walking down the street and, oh, 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 I know, we shoot him in the face. No, you do not shoot him. I'm not even done explaining the situation. Okay, here you go. The teen has a soda in his hands. Well, he must have stolen that soda. So I aim for the head and then I, no, 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 you do not shoot. He just has a soda in his hand. That's all. Yes, but he could throw it at me, so it's a weapon. So I aim for the neck, and okay, no, let, let's, let's try a different situation. Okay, so you're walking down the street, and you see a woman, and then you... Oh, 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 rape time? No, it's not rape time. Jesus! Okay, how about this? A Latino couple is... Oh, see, now most people would beat them and then shoot them, but me, I'd shoot first. So, if you are having a hard day at your job, just think, at least your job isn't to try and teach the NYPD to not kill people. Yes. So, at least there's one bright point. Hopefully, I, I have cheered you up now, and you can go about the rest of your day just with a, with a little bit of a spring in your step, you know? Hooray. And cut on that. There's that bit. Bunny! Yes! So I have the AMC A-List membership, and what that is is a subscription service where for $19.95 a month, I get three free movies a week. And so from December 2018 to March 2020, I managed to see 177 
films in a 66-week period, and then the pandemic ruined everything, but movie theaters are finally back open, and so am I. So let's talk new movies with another installment of... Steve Thumbs of the Week! Really This week's installment of Steve Stubbs represents my 10th and 11th week back in theaters, and in that time, I have seen 21 movies in theaters. The week after Labor Day, I only saw one movie, because I had Monday off, and that's one of the days that I usually don't see movies, so I only saw one movie this past week. But the week before that, I saw two movies, so a combined total of three movies we're covering this week on Steve Stubbs of the Week. So these past two weeks, I saw the following three movies in theater. Candyman. Okay. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And once again, Three Guy. Oh. So uh, every week I pick a movie pick a week that I, I that is not necessarily a movie that I like, but one I want to talk about. But first, let's discuss the two movies that were not chosen as my movie pick of the week. Number one, Free Guy. Uh, I am getting very close to catching up with every single solitary movie that is out in theaters. Yes. There's a fee- there are only a few movies in theaters, in my very small Midwestern town at least, that I haven't seen. I haven't seen the movie Stillwater where Matt Damon is, has uh, uh, repurposed the Amanda Knox story to earn an Oscar nomination. And then there's the movie Don't Look 2. I didn't see Don't Look 1, but I don't think I have to see Don't Look 1 and Don't Look 2 because I already saw the film. It was called Blind Fury, and it starred Rutger Hauser yeah. as a blind guy who was also a ninja. So I've already seen both of don't look and don't look too. So I don't feel I don't really want to see it. And then whatever the Oscar bait is that Sean Penn just released. Sean Penn just released a movie, and it stars him and his daughter. Okay. And I I have I have no interest in seeing that. So instead of seeing one of those three movies that I haven't seen, I just went and saw Free Guy again. It's just dumb fun. And there's a bunch of video game references in it. And the story is, is interesting. And it's a pretty good movie. But, but man, uh, the guy, Deadpool, Ryan Reynolds, he just carries the movie. And then the bad guy is Taito Waititi. Yeah. And so it, it's just win-win. It's such a fun film. It's dumb, fun, and I love it. And I've seen it twice in theaters now. And I loved it both times. I laughed out loud both times. Good. And it's just such a fun movie. And then my second movie that was not chosen as my movie pick of the week, and full disclosure, this was difficult. Because out of the other two movies that I saw, either one of them could have been my movie pick of the week. Either one of them. So I flipped a coin. Okay. Who would, who would be my movie pick of the week. And the one that lost the coin toss was the new film Candyman. 
they made three Candyman movies in the 90s. Candyman 1, Candyman 2, Return to the Flesh, and Candyman 3, Look Who's Candymanning. I don't fucking know. But this new Candyman film is a direct sequel to the first movie. Okay. A lot of people assume that it's a reboot, but no, it's a 100% direct sequel. And here's the thing. I, I've been clear about this on the podcast, but uh, uh, growing up, I was an absolute wuss who hated horror movies. Yes. I absolutely hated horror movies, didn't like watching them, didn't watch them a lot. I wasn't a big fan of horror movies. And then I was in a robbery at work, and when a crazed... Uh, drug-addled robber points a live fully loaded gun to your head and says give me all of the money in the safe or I'm going to fucking kill you uh, you realize that uh, House of a Thousand Corpses isn't that bad of a movie to watch yeah so uh, from the robbery on I've been slowly but surely trying to catch up on horror movies that I haven't seen and horror franchises and yada 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 I recently saw this ridiculous map that charted out the timeline of the Halloween movie franchise really? okay and it's just ridiculous cause like here's Halloween here's Halloween 2 way over here is Halloween 3 here's Halloween 4, 5, and 6 here's Halloween 7 and 8 on a separate line here's Halloween 9 and 10 that were Rob Zombie so they're over here in the corner we don't talk about it and here are the new ones they're working on three of them one has been released the second one's about to be released and they're a direct sequel to number one but not number two through five and it's like oh my god this is insane i didn't realize how insane the halloween movies were i guess i didn't see all of them i guess i saw one two and three and rob zombie and that was it so i recently downloaded all of the halloweens and that's going to be insane to watch i was a big fan of the third one the third Halloween? Yeah, I was a really big fan of the third Halloween. I, I, I haven't seen it since the original and since its original run and I really, really need to go back to it. I, I have no judgment on this movie at all. I did, of course, hate it like everybody else when it came yeah. out. But, more? Okay. Um, but go ahead. Hmm? <laughs> I, I lost what I was saying. Okay. Uh, so the Candyman franchise—how they, they would show Halloween on TV, and I wouldn't watch it because it was too scary as a yeah. kid. And then they'd show Halloween two, and I wouldn't watch that because if I'm too scared to watch Halloween one, I'm not going to watch Halloween two. And then suddenly TV is showing Halloween 3 and suddenly there's fucking witches and uh, Stonehenge and they're using it to make kids' heads fucking melt or turn into bugs or some shit. And that I would watch on TV. Because it wasn't that scary, it wasn't that gory, it's not like they're cutting out a bunch of shit. Yeah. And so I would watch Halloween 3 fairly regularly like every other Halloween growing up so it, 
but I never watched the other Halloweens until I was older, so I'm going to be catching up on the Halloweens. But one horror franchise I never saw or never caught up on was freaking Candyman. I never saw any of the Candyman movies. Uh, so yeah. when, so I'm like, oh, they're making another Candyman. Oh, I'm not really interested in that. And then I saw that it was written by Jordan Peele. Yeah. Who wrote, who wrote Get Out and also wrote Us, which I loved. I saw that like three or four times in theater when that came out. And so I read the original story that Candyman was based on. It's in one of Clive Barker's Books of Blood. Of books, I read the short story, and then I saw the original Candyman, and then I went to go see the new Candyman movie, and that was the absolute best thing, because I thought that the new Candyman was going to be like a reboot, but no, it's a direct sequel, so I'm really glad that I put the effort in and read the original story and watched the, origi watched the original movie before I went to go see the new one. But it is a great movie, and I really liked it because it felt like the first Candyman movie was a black story, but told from a rich white person's perspective. Because the, the, the star of the movie is like this rich white woman who's trying to get her doctorate at a rich college. Yeah. You know? So, this new Candyman movie is that same black story, but finally told from a black perspective, and I really liked it. It was really good. I was really interested in it, and uh, yeah, I freaking loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was really good. because cool. I, I, I have not been hearing outstanding things about it yet, but again, you know, the horror community is not necessarily any better than the Star Trek community or the Star yes. Wars community, where, where it's like, my god, it's new, I hate it. It's not Tony Todd. Well, how the fuck old is Tony Todd now? Tony Todd does make an appearance in the film. Yeah, good. So, I was happy about that. Yeah. He does make an appearance. They they discuss in the movie about how uh, Candyman isn't just one person, but a number of people who were wronged over the decades, over yeah. the centuries, and Tony Todd was one of them. So he does make an appearance, but, uh, uh, but, uh, and then during the credits, it, 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 it sort of tells the story of some of the other Candymen throughout history, and it's, it's, so I stayed through the entire credits, and oh, surprise, surprise, the entire theater who I saw the movie with, comprised entirely of white people, did not stay for the credits. Really surprising, huh? <laughs> I wonder how they felt about the, the part where the corrupt white police officers got their comeuppance. So uh, the I, original Candyman, I I felt was like too good of a movie to get like cult status in the way that Halloween or Friday the Thirteenth did. Yeah, because there was just. 
too much actual plot with Candyman. Yeah. And why he was killing people. But I am very interested in seeing this new one. Yeah, it's really Especially good. Especially with Jordan Peele, because he's been fucking kicking ass. I still find that very surprising, because, like, he's the comedy guy. Yeah. You know, he's like... great. He didn't direct it, but he wrote the entire script, and damn, it's a good script. It's really good. But in all these years, I've still not fully accepted Peter Jackson doing Lord of the Rings, either. So, yes. you know... Absolutely. I mean, like, you're the fucking Meet the Feebles guy. No, you, you, you don't do this. You, you wrote make the fart stinky, joke movies. You wrote the the sodomy song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, okay. Uh, so m- finally, my Steve Subs movie pick of the week is Shang Chi, Shang Chi, and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And I want to start off discussing the new Shang-Chi movie by giving a shout-out to the uh, camera-first assistant in the credits. Because I, I pay close attention to the end credits. And I just wanted to give a shout-out to the camera-first assistant, a man by the name of Todd Schlopey. Oh! The Schloper! S-C-H-L-O-P-Y. His name was Todd Schlopey. If you think you had a bad childhood, I want you to think about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings camera first assistant, Mr. Todd Schlopey. And think about his childhood. Yes. Todd Schlopey's childhood. Yes. Because I guarantee you... People were not nice to Todd Schlopey. Okay, so... Just just like the the assistant paint supervisor in Justice League. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. What was his name again? Uh, I forget. I would have to look him up. Yeah. It's okay. So, uh... I felt that Black Widow was a good movie... But not a good Marvel movie. Yeah. And I was just really disappointed in Black Widow. I felt that it should have been released right after uh, Civil War. But it didn't. But the reason why it didn't happen right after Civil War is that former Marvel CEO Ike Perlmutter was an asshole. Yes. Former Marvel CEO Ike Pelmutter was a real fucking son of a bitch. Originally, they wanted a woman to be the bad guy in Iron Man 3, but Ike Perlmutter put his foot down and said, If you have a woman bad guy, then no one will buy action figures. So get rid of the chick. And it's like, oh, fuck you, Ike Perlmutter. They recently announced, and I talked about this on the Pope on Film uh, Facebook group, but uh, they were working on a live-action Marvel uh, New Warriors live-action TV show, which features a, a, a team of young superheroes trying to make a difference and 
the it it a lot of it was going to be based on the Great Lakes Avengers. Yeah. Which was like a, a like the D list Avengers team, and it featured one of my favorite actresses, Lily from AT and T, and she was also the one that the captain had a crush on on the show Other Space, okay. which I was obsessed with for a while. She is now the like AT and T girl, I think, or is it Verizon? I think it's AT and T. Anyway. Uh, it would have starred her as Squirrel Girl, and they recorded a pilot, but Ike Perlmutter canceled the pilot because, quote, it was too gay. Okay. So now Ike Perlmutter has stepped down as his role as the Marvel CEO. And there's been a lot of buzz over the past couple of days because the guy who directed the pilot that was canceled, uh, clips and snippets of it have, star have started to leak. And people are really uh, rallying over the fact that we could have had a live-action Squirrel Girl, but the former CEO, who is a son of a bitch, and who, whose it was his idea to make that goddamn Inhumans TV show. Uh-oh. So fuck this guy, Ike Perlmutter. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that uh, now that Ike Perlmutter has stepped down, then maybe we will get to see this new Warriors TV show with a live-action Squirrel Girl. Fingers crossed. But, but yeah, Ike Perlmutter was the one who was like, Black Widow? You mean a comic book movie starring a chick? I don't think so. So now they release the Black Widow movie, and it's like, eh? I don't really care about this character who just died anymore. Yeah. You know? So I was really disappointed with it. I I, I, I just didn't like... Well, you uh, know, I, I... I mean... Just kind of the premise of... You have to rescue... Abused, highly trained killer assassins. Yeah. You know, I'm. I mean, I. Ha I like. How are they holding? Highly trained killer assassins. Yeah. To begin yeah. with, like you know, and, and then I was kind of underwhelmed with how they handled the other characters, like um. Oh god, I always I always want to keep calling him fucking Crimson Dynamo. Yeah, uh uh the Red Guardian. The Red Guardian. Yeah. yeah. I I mean, I I wanted I wanted to see more of that. I wanted to see more. Okay, so now she's on this team and we're doing superhero shit and it wasn't. It was way more subdued. Yeah, it was like a family drama with a few action sequences, but not a comic book movie. Uh, FYI, uh, the I just saw on Twitch that this is episode... Oh, oh, episode 415, Suicide Squad. Okay, I thought it said episode 414, Disaster Movie, for a second, but no. It's highly possible. I'm having a hard time figuring out the... the the Twitch thing, and I, I, I don't know where all of our shit's gone. So yeah. I don't know if they're pulling it after we record it or whatever. I, I'm not sure what's up with Twitch. 
Yeah, uh, I'm confused by Twitch. My wife is. My wife has been streaming lately. She's been doing pretty well with herself. Uh, but this movie, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, this is a fucking Marvel movie. Oh, good. This is everything I wanted Black Widow to be. It's entertaining. It's fun. There's really great action sequences. And the movie fucked with me. Let me tell you something. The Marvel TV shows are ruining my ability to watch Marvel movies. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like, oh, uh, welcome to our mystic kingdom. It's in another dimension, and here we live in peace. We used to be attacked by this evil, but we locked it up in this cave. You see this giant red cave? That's where the evil lives. The red evil. This is where the red evil comes from, and sometimes it wants to get out. But we are the keepers of the red evil. We make sure that the red evil is here, and, and it'll never escape. But sometimes it whispers to people and tells them that I will give you the one thing you desire if you come to this mystic kingdom and break me out of this cave. And I'm sitting there in the theater going, God damn it, I know it's not Mephisto. Yeah. I know it's not Mephisto. Because he's Doctor Strange right now. But is it Mephisto? And it's like, fucking, of course it's not Mephisto. But the goddamn internet, YouTube, Twitter, and the live-action Marvel TV shows have convinced me that everything's fucking Mephisto now. Yeah. So that's fucking me up. But Shang-Chi is fucking great, and it's fucking funny. It's so funny because Shang-Chi's... Uh, just by the way, just just quickly by the way, I do want to talk more about this in Bunny Versus, so go okay. ahead. Cool. Uh, Shang-Chi's best friend is played by actress Aquafina, and she's just so realistic, and I absolutely fucking love her, and uh, I don't want to... Maybe light spoiler alert, but my favorite character in the episode is back in this film, and I'm very excited. My favorite actor in the back in Shang-Chi and I was, I, I popped in the theater when he showed up. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my god, he's back! I was hoping he would come back, and now he is back, and I am so fucking excited! And he was also one of the best parts of the movie. I really like Shang-Chi, and I might go see it again next week. I... fun. I, I, I realized for the first time that Aquafina was in this movie. I'm sitting here and I'm doing things... The TV's playing, something came up about Shang-Chi, and all of a sudden I heard Danny DeVito. Yeah. I freaking and I was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely adore her so much. So Shang-Chi, movie pick of the week, it's an actual Marvel movie as opposed to Black Widow, and... Uh, Although, I do like Black Widow, if for no other reason, the May Queen from Midsommar is in it. And because of that, I like Black Widow, but uh, Shang-Chi is, is like a return to form, and I'll definitely see it a couple of more times in theaters if I can. So that's it for Steve Stubbs of the Week this week. Next week, James Wan, who came up with the 
uh, Saw movie franchise, the Insidious movie franchise, the Conjuring movie franchise. He has a new horror movie out, and I'm so excited to see it. Yay! Yeah. Uh, and maybe Shang-Chi again. I don't fucking know. But uh, join us next week for more up-to-date movie reviews with Steve Stubbs of the Week. And cut on that. Bunny! Yes! We still have a, 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 a whole podcast to get to. We have everyone's favorite podcast segment, Bunny Versus, coming up. We've got Steve Historical Approximations, where we're going to be talking about two things. Um, the Emus and Rob Schneider. Okay. A well, lot, I, lot, oddly, oddly, lot it's so odd. Whenever somebody is talking about Emus, somehow Rob Schneider comes up. Like, yeah. they go together on some kind of a cosmic level. Wait, wait, what yeah. was that about Emus? And, uh, and Rob Schneider. Wait, and Rob Schneider. Yeah. why were you guys talking about emus? I don't know, because he's oh, introducing uh, what we're going to be doing in the rest of the show. Because I had an emu in my yard once. Really? I just want to throw that out. <laughs> that is weird. Okay. Um, we're, well, we're going to be talking about how not to kill them. Okay. Okay. That's, that's going to be Shaft. Because you might think you know the proper way to kill an emu. Let me tell you, you don't know how. Okay. Many people have tried. So, and then our movie this week is The Suicide Squad. So, uh, and I'll definitely not be telling you how to get your hands on a free copy of the soundtrack because that would be illegal, so I won't be doing that. To be clear, so you shouldn't listen in to see how you can get yourself a free copy of The Suicide Squad soundtrack. I'm not saying that. I'm saying don't do that. Don't expect it. So, legally, if this is ever read in a court case, then we are clear, because I am in no way, you know, saying that. But before we do any of that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break, Bunny? We should take a break. I concur. We will be right back with more of the Poop on Film after this. Do-do-do-do-do. Republicans had cause to laugh today, and no, I'm not talking about Trump care. They're fine with that. The book, Reasons to Vote for Democrats, a comprehensive guide, released on February 8, 
2017 and written by Michael J. Knowles, became Amazon's number one bestseller. The book, which contains 266 blank pages, has a loyal fan base who were more than happy to leave a review singing its praise. While many found the book informative, captivating, and the best book they have seen this year, others found that the 266 blank pages actually gave them nightmares. Some purchasers of the book found the blank pages too daunting and are anxiously awaiting the audio version. The GOP base, who vigilantly scrutinizes any and all events for even the slightest hint of conspiracy, concocted this very plausible scenario. Quote, I totally called that Dems would copy this idea and call it their own. Remember kids, if they didn't have double standards, they wouldn't have standards at all." Unquote. In fact, this has already happened when liberal trolls released this book two months earlier, Why Trump Deserves Trust, Respect, and Admiration, written by David King, contains 206 blank pages. TPOP analyst Floyd Likestacox notes that it took Michael J. Knowles two months to plagiarize a blank book. While many agree with Mr. Likestacox, critics are quick to point out that blank novelty books have been a staple of the publishing and novelty industry for many years. They believe that this may indicate that the plagiarism could potentially go back much, much further. Those who are aware of the book Why Trump Deserves Trust, Respect, and Admiration repeatedly point out that that book never made the number one spot on Amazon's bestseller list. Research conducted by Satoshi Kanazawa of the London School for Economics and Political Science seems to indicate that Democrats prefer books that actually have words in them.
two soulless monsters stitched together with the bodies of the dead? Were you brought to life by a hideous experiment that was meant to usurp God's authority? Are you damned to roam the earth, a soulless monster without a soul? Well then, simply try Chia Soul. Chia Soul. Simply spread the seeds, water them, and in a few weeks you'll have your very own soul. Chia Soul. By the maker of Chia Pubes. Republicans had cause to laugh today, and no, I'm not talking about Trump care. They're fine with that. The book, Reasons to Vote for Democrats, a comprehensive guide, 
Released on February 8, 2017 and written by Michael J. Knowles, became Amazon's number one bestseller. The book, which contains 266 blank pages, has a loyal fan base who were more than happy to leave a review singing its praise. And we're back with more of the Pope on Film. Money. Yes. Are you ready for another exciting installment of everyone's favorite podcast segment, Funny Versus, starring the incomparable, the illustrious, the star-studded Bunny Williams? Are you ready? Are you pumped? Are you amped? Are you jazzed? Are you psyched? Are you revved up? Are you primed? Are you optimist primed? Are you ready, Bunny? I am goddamn ready. Okay. Then without any further ado... It's time once again for Bunny Versus, and now here is your host, Bunny Williams. Take it away, Bunny. Uh, so we have the Filipino flag. Okay. In honoring all of the new members that we've had join the Facebook group, not all from the Philippines. Australia was well represented. Canada was well represented as well but predominantly from the Filipino Philippines. Hey, everybody! I think a large portion of that is just uh, the probably fake Spider-Man No Way Home trailer that I posted. Y yeah, probably, but still, like, why was that a hit in the Philippines? I don't know. You know, like, like, and and it's it it's nothing to do with the Philippines itself. It's just really odd when you get an influx all from one specific area. Yeah. Just it's like the times we were hot in Bulgaria for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, just just Filipinos just really get us, you know? Yeah. That's what I like to think. Yeah. So this is for all of our uh, new Filipino members and friends. Please be active in the group. Say something. Introduce yourself. Hi. How are you? We love you. Yeah. Uh, You're here. The introduction for Dabney is almost finished. Nice. It is... Uh, I, I, I have it down now, bro broken down. Like, all the animation is done, and the first render is done. Then I have to chop that up into the camera shots to do the additional effects. Yeah. So I have 13 additionals, I have 13 shots. I have to do that part. Then the introduction for the first episode will be done. Nice. And then I have written many, many more. I, I've written, like, another four episodes. Very cool. Very now, cool. Now, what I need, and I keep meaning to post about it in the group, is I need very short, really, really fucked up videos. Like, 30 seconds or less. Because I'm planning on ending it ending the break with basically a moment of zen 
like yeah. the Daily Show used to do, but yeah. a moment of, what the fuck is this? Yeah. I have two so far to give you an idea of the kind of thing I'm looking for. I have the Japanese girl playing the flute with her vagina. Remember that one? Mm -hmm. And I have master martial artists getting kicked in the nuts over and over and over and over again. And hitting their nuts with bricks. You know what you should other put? items. You know what you should put? You should put the power team. Power team? Who were they? They were those they were those bodybuilders from like the eighties on on UHF Christian stations that would like they would Send lift, me a clip! They would lift five thousand pounds and then they'd rip a hundred phone books in half and then they'd talk about how their power comes from Jesus. They were the power team. I, they were everywhere back in the day. That that sounds like it has potential. Uh, and, hold and, on. Okay. Oh, hold on. A nobody second. has to send or nobody has to send like a thirty second clip. You don't have to be looking for thirty second clips. But if you're watching something and you see thirty seconds of something that's really fucked up, yeah. let me know. I'll clip it out. Okay. So anyway. Uh, now Hold on, Bunny, because uh, my high schooler is here right next to the camera. They're coming in hot, and they've got something. Uh, oh. What video? I don't remember. I feel like I've said that a lot. Hello Kitty doesn't have a mouth. Yes, I vaguely remember that. It's 44 seconds? Okay. I vaguely remember that. It was some really creepy video that they were obsessed with and would watch it over and over again and finally I had to put my foot down. Stop watching the creepy Hello Kitty video. That's a good one. Uh, I would like to just point out that I have a high schooler who used to go by another name, but they don't go by that name anymore. You can either call them Malachite or by their nickname Gizmo. Okay. I I have shortened Malachite to Mal, as in Mal Reynolds from Firefly. So I try and go by Mal. My two youngest really like the name Gizmo. So Whose arms are detachable? Go figure. So so, who who is this now? Uh, come here. Malachite or Gizmo? Okay, cool. They also go by Gizmo. That's the nickname, but Malachite is the name, or Mal for short. M Mal is also acceptable? Yes. Oh, cool. So that's Mal. I keep accidentally dead naming them, but that's just a uh, force of habit, and I'm really... We are all trying really hard. We're working on it. Yes. So, so there's that. Just wanted to point that out while I had Mal here. Hooray! Hooray! <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit high right now. I'm eating chips like a real Look, professional. Podcast. What did Malachi think of Suicide Squad? 
Did you see the mouse saw some of the Suicide Squad, but didn't see all of the Suicide Squad? Oh, okay. But um, Mal just said that they're a big fan of the Polka Dot Man. Who isn't? Yes. I relate to the Polka Dot Man's issues with his mom. Yes. That I could never murder someone, but if I had to murder someone, I can think of one very easy way that I could <laughs> go about murdering someone. It's not my mom, but I get it, Polka Dot yeah. Man. I get it. Same. It's got the same vibe. Yeah. So, so okay, so Dabney is going to ha- I, you know, and I'm sure I probably mentioned this before, so, you know, deal with it. Dabney's going to start with an introduction. Okay? And I've decided what I'm going to do. It's this Dabney's, Dabney's dystopian dreams. And then it's going to say featuring, and it's either going to be Tim Caldwell or Liz a Day. Okay. So then Dabney does the introduction, and then we will have videos. That first se- section is most is going to be either you or us, things we've done together. Like QAnon Karen, like OK Ice Cream, or any of the other bits you've done yourself, or yes, or QAnon Karen, uh, Hot Chicks in Glasses, Evil Henchman Warehouse, that kind of stuff. And then Dabney will come back with basically the asshole of the month like Hustler used to do. The bit itself doesn't really have a title. Its working title is Fuck That Guy. Uh, So far, I have got, got done Andy Warhol, Lindsey Graham, and Elon Musk. You're going to be talking about uh, Andy Warhol for a little bit uh, in Act 3. Yeah? Uh-huh. Well, these are short. The, I, this introduction has gone long. The regular introductions, I only want those to be two minutes. And then, fuck that guy is going to be one minute. And then the what the fuck is going to be like pfft, fucking seconds. Maybe it's going to be a minute. Dabney's going to say, we're going to roll out of either Tim or Liz's video. Dabney's going to say, like, so until next week, what the fuck is this? Or something like that. And a little 30-second video, and it's done. Along with, with little filler bits to fill in gaps. You know... Thing, you know, stupid little shit I have laying around. That kind yeah. of thing. So that's going. what's going on with him. Suddenly he's been going on, like, a lot quicker. Uh, the animation leaves a lot to be desired, but fuck it, that's the whole goddamn point. Yeah. You know? That's cool. And how have you been, sir? Uh, good, good. 
uh, it was nice to have a break after the hideous summer that we had watching uh, the worst movies of all time. Yes. Uh, the time that I spent not doing the podcast it has really been just about uh, getting used to the new schedule that I live by, because, you know, I wake up uh, at the crack of dawn yeah. and start getting Eleanor ready for school, because Eleanor, my five-year-old, is doing in-person school, so I get them ready for school, and then I drop them off at their kindergarten, and then I come home and work on getting Mal ready for high school, and then Mal heads off, and then it's time to set up <coughs> school for Maxwell, who's doing virtual school at home. <coughs> and we get them all set up for virtual school, and then we do virtual school, and then he takes a break, and I make lunch for him, and then he has a little bit of time on his own, and then we come back to school, and then when he's finally done with school, we pick up Eleanor from school, I bring them home, we spend a little bit of time here at home, and then after that, Either Mal comes home on the school bus or I have to pick Mal up because Mal's at like a club meeting or something. And then we come home and then uh, three days out of the week, uh, four days out of the week, I have to give them baths or give them showers, get them all washed up, and then it's time to, to make dinner. And it's, it's a whole routine. I have a job that starts at 6 a.m. and ends at around 10 p.m. Yeah. And it's quite difficult. And so uh, I've just been trying to get into my routine. I have very busy days. Uh, I did get some free merch from the people at OK Nice Cream. They sent my wife and I these shirts. Nice. At OKNiceCream.com. And I'm really excited because they have two different versions of this shirt. The shirt that just has the logo and a shirt that has the logo and that contains THC warning that they have on all of the products here in Oklahoma. And when they said that they were going to send uh, me a free shirt, I said, can you make sure it has the contains THC? So they sent us two shirts, one for my wife and one for me. And so I'm really excited about that. We got, oh, and these really nice bracelets. So really happy about that. There's a story yeah. I wanted to say, because I don't have that much to say this week. So I have uh, just a story that I wanted to mention. I was considering turning it into a shaft, but it was too short. So I thought, you know, I'll just do it really quick. I'll just break it down to the basics for Bunny Versus. So you know Willem Dafoe, yeah? Yeah. Uh, the Green Goblin and a member of uh, Team Zisu is yes. the way that I know him and he also hangs out in a lighthouse and gets drunk and slow dances with another yes, man. Yes he does. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I can love Willem. I, I'm, ho I'm hoping that one day he becomes so successful in Hollywood that he can finally afford the eye and become William Dafoe. That would be nice. It would be. But that would be nice. That would be better than the star on Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah, yeah. But until then, he's just Willem. So he yeah. signed up to be in a Lars von Trier movie. Yeah. He, was in, he signed up to be in the movie Antichrist. And because Willem Dafoe is a professional, 
He agreed to be naked in the movie. Full naked. Including dongle. Full, total uh, buck ass yes. naked. So he, and it happens, it happens early on, fairly early on in the film. Yeah. Because so the, the film was boring as shit. Yeah. And I I literally couldn't go very far with this movie. I saw his cock in the shower, and I was like, well, you know, Here's it's not getting any better than this. Here's the thing. <laughs> you did not see his cock in the shower. So no. Let's talk about Yeah, so let's talk about that. That was a stunt cock? Let's talk about that. So uh, Willem Dafoe agrees to be fully naked in Lars von Trier's Antichrist. Oh, also, FYI, there's going to be possible dog noises throughout this entire episode. We're, we're uh, dog-sitting Auntie Lauren's dog while she goes on a road trip to Texas just so she can eat at a Joe's Crab Shack. Oh, my Ugh. God. But anyway, uh, so it's the day of filming Willem Dafoe's naked scene, so he gets naked, fully naked, showing his penis, and, and they take a couple of takes, and Willem Dafoe feels good about it, and that's the end of the day. So the cast, the producers, and, and second assistant, whatever the fuck, they head to the theater to watch the dailies, and everyone's confused. They're like, wait, what, what are we watching here? Is this a joke? Is this a, is, is this a prank? Like, I'm so confused at what I'm seeing here. Is this, is this right? Is this what you wanted? As it turns out, Willem Dafoe has a fucking huge one. Yeah. Huge. King Kong. Fucking, I don't know if Willem Dafoe's his real name, but his real name might be John Frickin' Holmes. Really? Okay. You know what I'm saying. I'm, I'm talking, is his name Mr. Incredible? Because something stretched out. Yeah. Jesus Christ. It was so big that everyone who saw the footage was confused and distracted. So much so that they hired a, a, a second actor to be the stunt penis to be naked for Willem Dafoe because that's how huge he was. Okay. I think this demands a pause. A pause and a breath to really try to compens comprehend what it is that you've just said. I know it's a shocker. It's a shocker. So first, you got to figure Lars von Tears comes to William Defoe and says, "Hey, I want you to be naked in my movie." And okay. Then Willem Dafoe, and then Willem Defoe says, "You had me at I want you to be." Yeah, I, I was like, "Do you, you have no idea how many years I've been waiting to be asked?" Yeah. Because he already knows. He's got the enormous schlong. It has always been like a sub-goal in his career yep. to get his enormous cock on film. Yeah. And here it is. And yeah, then um, the cherry on the cake 
is that you are your cock is so huge that it really cannot be taken seriously on film. It looks fucking comical. So we they need to get stunt penis because they needed Willem Dafoe's penis to be smaller for the film. So we need to get a stunt cock. Somebody with a drastically smaller cock to stand in for William Defoe's massive penis. I mean, I mean, if you are William Defoe, you've just got to be like, oh fuck yeah. <laughs> that had to be a that had to be a, diff, a difficult casting call to write. Yeah. Wanted penis smaller than William Defoe. Well, I was thinking like, Bella. I was thinking like Bella Lugosi's penis in Fu Manchu. Well, on the positive side, if they do ever decide to make a biopic of Milton Berle, yes, we've got the perfect actor. Because I don't know if you know this, but Milton <coughs> Berle. Oh yes, we've we've talked about Milton Berle's penis okay. before. Okay. So, uh, boom. We've already got uh, the Milton Berle movie cast. We've, we've covered Milton Berle's penis. Okay, good. And now and we've now covered, covered William Defoe's penis. Now we've covered William Defoe's penis, yeah. So, that's a positive. So that's me. How are you doing, buddy? Okay, let me just... Because, like, Jeannie only caught bits and pieces of it. Yeah. William Defoe's penis... Yeah. It was so big. Bigger than uh, Liam Neeson's? I, I don't know. We have to find out in comparison to Liam Neeson. But he, his penis was cut out of a nude scene <laughs> so that they can get a smaller penis because his penis is, like, comically large. Are you sure that's the reason? Oh, yeah. It oh, wasn't because yeah. it's, like, weirdly misshapen or... Well, just no, the signs of it is weird. It so, big. yes, technically, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> no, but how do you know that's why? You mean it was twisted into a French poodle? Right. Like a That's animal. possible. And frankly, I would like to see that if if William Defoe's penis was, in fact, twisted into a, into a balloon poodle. Um, I, I assume you haven't seen the stage show Puppetry of the Penis before. I have yeah. not seen Puppetry of the Penis. I, I have heard okay. about it before. It is a thing. Yeah. I have been so, looking for a clip from Fernwood Tonight, and I hated Fernwood to Tonight. Fernwood I really did not tonight. like it. But damn. I caught one. Because like, it was a weird little like variety show kind of a thing. But it was these two bald guys in tuxedos in front of a grand piano. And they both dropped their pants and raised their hands over their heads and started playing chopsticks. Nice. I thought that was the, like the funniest fucking thing ever. And I haven't found that clip. I would use that as a what the fuck. 
But anyway, so I I, kind of just wanted to chew over the Marvel movies a bit and what's going on and what are you excited about and what do you think and what kind of theories do you have and let's make fun of other people's theories, that kind of stuff. My theory of the MCU right now is that everyone is Mephisto. Everyone is what? Everyone is Mephisto. Everyone is Mephisto. Yes. I I, kind of get that feeling, too. It's like, oh, come on. The plants are Mephisto. I saw a scene of Shang-Chi where you saw four clouds. Four, like the Fantastic Four, Reed Richards confirmed. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it is Doctor Strange, but I really don't think it's Mephisto. Yeah. You know? It's, it's, well, it could always be a Doctor Strange from the multiverse somewhere, since we're doing the whole multiverse thing, but Wong would not come off with that kind of attitude to Doctor Strange, you know? He may warn him sternly about doing something, but in the trailer, one was like actively acting, actively angry, like, don't you fucking dare, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think he would ever refer to the Sorcerer Supreme like that. I also don't think that he's going to come off like that with any kind of entity who could maybe turn around and just kick his ass. You know, like, he's not going to mouth off to Mephisto that way either. Yeah. You know? Maybe somebody, like, on the Loki level. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, in fact, maybe it is Loki. I would like to see them tie together the split in in the multiverse in Loki... And now the split in the multiverse in Doctor Strange and tie that with the end scene from WandaVision. So the so so the split in the multiverse is not necessarily any one of these things, but it's all three of these things that converged at the same time. And let's not forget that there, the bad guy from the end of the first Doctor Strange movie is still fucking out there. Baron Mordor? Yeah. Oh, I wish he would get... I love that guy. I wish he would get a pronounceable name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel that. Like, I take note of his name all the time, but, like, I cannot... Uh. It's going to take a while. Hey, Taika Waititi took a while. You know, I mean, but it was worth it. I'll get there. But God, I loved him from from Serenity. You know? And I've seen him pop up in a couple of other things. I can't recall offhand everything. Was he in The Martian? Shit, maybe, I don't know. But anyway, but anyway, yeah, uh, 
And in fact, that's actually pretty plausible if you think about it. Yeah. You know, I mean, a character like like Baron Mordo has the ability to to just like suck up to Doctor Strange a bit and suck up to Wong, Wong a little bit. And they would be he would be brought back into the fold, you know? You could just see that yeah. happening. Yeah. You know, we've all studied under the angel, but that kind of a thing. So I could see him getting his... And, and, you know, Wong is reluctant, but he would go on with it, go along with it, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's a good choice. Yeah. Same. Now, does Wong go out of the portal and, like, step directly into Shang-Chi? I think so. Because that's a cool concept. Yeah. Where you know right there, this happened, and then he walked through the portal, and now he's... Now now watch this movie. (laughs) Yeah. I like the fact that someone pointed out Someone on Twitter pointed out that Lil Nas X survived the snap. Yeah. And his, his reasoning behind that was there's a scene in Shang-Chi where uh, Shang-Chi and Aquafina are at a karaoke bar and they sing Old Town Road, which came out at this year. And this one specific year was in the MCU during the five-year period where everyone was snapped. So technically, this means that Lil Nas X survived the snap and released Old Town Road during the snap. And so there are a lot of people out there, apparently, this is a thing of people trying to use the MCU movies to make a definitive list of the people who survived and who didn't survive. And so some random guy saw Shang-Chi and said, okay, so uh, I noticed in one part that this song appeared, and so this means that Lil Nas X survived the snap. And so Lil Nas X retweeted this one guy's tweet. And I thought that that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, 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 I really, like, have come to respect, I mean, I don't know music. I don't know fucking actors anymore, really. You know? Yeah. And forget sports figures. So, but I I really like who Little Nas X has become. You know? Yeah. Just, I I respect somebody who wants to go out there and is just going to be like, I'm just as gay as I want to be. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah, I love that. You know? And he's really getting in some decent-ass shots. Yeah, he is. You know? But yeah. anyway. So he survived the snap. Yeah, he survived the snap. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of... I'm interested in Shang-Chi... I'm not really terribly interested in martial arts movies. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
So I'm it's, giving it. I, I mean, I'm definitely gonna see it, but I'm gonna. I, I, I have my reservations. Yeah. You know, and Marvel, you've been kind of slipping. Well, here's a little uh, spoiler for anyone uh, who uh, doesn't want a specific character reveal in Shang-Chi to be spoiled, you should cover your ears and maybe not listen to the podcast for the next minute or two. But um, my favorite part about Shang-Chi and something that really should get more people to go see the movie is that one specific character appears, and it's quite shocking when it happens. You could say, you'll never see him coming. Yeah. And I got really excited when I saw that actor appear on screen. I was like, yes! Yes! I was, I was really excited. And he's a big part of the movie. He's in like yeah. 60% of the movie. It's not like a cameo because, oh, I was in another Marvel movie. Remember that? No, he's a big part of the plot, and it's really exciting. I, I think I know who you're talking about, and, and that is interesting. Again, I'm I'm gonna see it. I'm just I'm just like feeling reserved. Like like I I, I was getting really pretty excited leading up to Black Widow. You know? Yeah. It was like, oh Taskmaster looks like kind of a cool villain, you know, sort of and, and even from the trailers it looked like it, Taskmaster was on the side. Oh you know? Taskmaster. But it was like fucking yeah, it, sucked. But it was like, cool, we're going to see the Russian heroes. We're going to see the Russian Avengers, basically. Yeah. You know? And that's going to be fun. And it was like... And even watching the trailers, the trailers looked like a lot of fun. And they put in the, all the nice clippy lines, but it's like the best bits were in the fucking trailer. Yeah. Like when your girlfriend was saying, you do superhero landing. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That was fucking awesome. You know? I felt that the best part of Black Widow happened at the end credits. Yeah. Yeah. With so, Julia so like, that was the best part. So, like, I, I feel the same way towards Shang-Chi Shang right now, where it's like, yeah, that looks really good, man, but, like, you just hurt me. You just, you know, you just hurt me. <laughs> you know? Well, you have I to will build say, back some faith here. Uh, the the scenes with Wong fighting a abomination. abominable abomination. Yeah, that that looks great. That looks like that a whole lot of fun. Is, that whole well, sequence is fun. There is a mid credit sequence in Shang Chi. Uh, oh, very light spoilers. Um, yeah, that features some pretty major. MCU heroes. Yeah. So this move, so Shang-Chi ties more into the general MCU than Black Widow did, but times a thousand. Okay, now, now, I have a question here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's probably because I have not been keeping track of box office throughout the pandemic. Okay. But, like, I was seeing Sun-Chi being hailed as, like, this massive hit, and the awesome Labor Day weekend 
box office and what I saw announced was uh, 83 million yep that sounds fucking awful it's it you can't tell me they didn't spend more than 83 no, million no 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 that's the thing is that that's a big hit in the pandemic that's 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 what like I was thinking yeah, but, but like I said, like, that's I mean that's why I started with I haven't been tracking box office throughout the pandemic. Yeah. You know, because I, I kind of figured that that was playing into it. That's fucking awful. Yeah. No. Pre pre pandemic, that number would have been a huge bump, but in the pandemic, those numbers are massive. Yeah, the Suicide Squad. This week's movie, great movie, absolutely love it. It did shit in the box office, but it was like wow. one of the, I think like the second highest. Well, I'm sorry, we just had a massive bolt of lightning out there. Really? That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Cool. It's hot as fuck outside where I'm at. But uh, the Suicide Squad, it did horrible in the box office, but it was like one of the highest streamed movies of the entire year. So I think that that alone means that they'll make a sequel. Yeah, and if, if that's the box, then fucking... Uh, I'm Team Scar Joe on this one. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, uh -huh. if that's the box office... And you were promising a big fucking release for Black Widow. You have totally ripped her off. Yeah. You know? Again, frankly, if you ask me, she, she should have had a movie way, way fucking before this. She way should have ago. been an action figure. A lot of other things. They should have given her a movie right after the second fucking Avengers movie, which went into her backstory in the Red Room. Yeah. And, oh, I can't have a child because I, you know, they ripped my uterus out in the Red Room where I was trained in secret in Russia. And it's like, boom, right there you released the Black Widow movie. You don't wait until now. Yeah. Plus, I can't get over the fact that I think Shang-Chi is the 25th or the 26th movie in the MCU. And still, I go to the movies on opening day of this brand new Marvel movie, and still, 60% of the theater is leaving once the credits start. Like, how yeah. do you not fucking know this by now? That there is shit still in the movie! Yeah. This is me right the fuck up. Fuck is wrong with you. God damn. Yeah. So it was, was and and okay, so now something else I'm really wondering about. Hmm. All right, there. No, the neighbors, somebody's knocking on the neighbor's door and it's so close to ours, it's hard to distinguish. Gotcha. But anyway, uh... So, is Brie Larson okay? Is she okay? I mean, I... The Marvels? Is the next... Really? 
What are we doing here? I'm not sure. Oh, because Monica Rambo becomes Miss Marvel. Yeah. So there's a second Captain Marvel, and Monica Rambo is the little girl from the Captain the, Marvel. The first movie, Captain Marvel. Who was also in, got older and was in WandaVision. Yeah. And in WandaVision, they talked a lot about how Monica Rambeau has some issues against Captain Marvel, which they'll go into in the Marvels movie. But also, in between now and the release of the movie The Marvels, they will be giving a live-action TV show to Kamala Khan, a teenage Muslim woman who also becomes Miss Marvel. And uh, you see her a lot using her power where she can stretch her arms out and beat people yeah. up. And so she's also a Miss Marvel. So the next Captain Marvel movie will feature all three of those Captain Marvels, which is why it's called the Marvel. Yeah. It just it just seems like like that's that's starting to squeeze Brie Larson out. And I know she's had some troubles fitting into the Marvel Universe for some reason. Well, the way that I see it is um, a lot of people are doing Brie Larson the same way that they did the female Ghostbusters movie. Yeah. Where it's like, I want to see a superhero movie. But a superhero movie starring a, starring a girl? The feminists are taking over. I'm an adult virgin. It's not one of my favorite Marvel movies. Not quite sure where where it lands, but I find it very entertaining. I find her pretty entertaining in it. I don't like the whole other all I'm glowy kind of thing. Yeah. You know, like uh, I, 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 I'm not a huge fan of some of the effects, basically. Uh, I think the story... I think the story fits the times better, but I, I hope it doesn't stop from doing other scroll stories. Yeah. I can accept I... scroll good guys and scroll bad guys. I could totally I... do that. I uh -huh. hate, I hate Annette Bening. And Yay, what? I, I hate Annette Bening in that movie. I I, I I haven't really seen Annette Bening that I wouldn't have preferred somebody else. And I and I'm weirded out at the fact that they de-aged Samuel L. Jackson, but. Big fan of everything that Jude Law does in that movie. Yeah. Love Jude Law as the good guy who's secretly a bad guy who's a really great bad guy. <laughs> and I really love Brie Larson in that film. I fucking love her in that. It's just rewatchable and it's fun. And it's, it's very rewatchable. Love that movie. You know, I, I, I almost have to put Beating up an old woman 
on the same level with having a monkey in a movie. Yeah. You yeah. beat up an old woman in a movie, like automatic two points. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it gets the credit it deserves. The way I see it is that if you don't like Birds of Prey and you don't like Captain Marvel, then I'm just going to assume that you're scared of vaginas. <laughs> I, uh... Now, this is no critique of the movie. This is just how I am. You know, if I'm watching something at a certain time, it's like a 75% chance this is going to happen. So it's no judgment on the movie. But I got through about half of Bird of Prey, and I fell asleep, and I, I have never revisited it for some reason. I, I don't necessarily know why. I, I, I love Harley Quinn. And yeah. I was liking the movie. I just haven't revisited it for some reason. It's fun. And I'm also just, like, just personally, I'm trying to get away. It seems to me people have a concept that liking something and something being good are the same thing. Yeah. And disliking something means that something's bad. And that's not true. Yeah. You know, it doesn't... My like or dislike of something says nothing about the goodness or badness of a thing. Yeah. I am not a fan of fuzzy ballerina paintings. How dare you? You know does not mean fuzzy ballerina paintings are bad. You know? Now, if it was a fuzzy zombie ballerina dancing, maybe I can get a little buy-in. Okay, maybe. You know? But that doesn't mean that it's bad. If I like something, it doesn't mean that it's good. Yeah. You know? And and I'm trying to just get really away from that concept. You know? I, I understand that. I mean, I can accept that Picasso is good. I don't like it. <laughs> you know? <coughs> Except... Andy Warhol is an asshole. Uh, Agreed. That's a little different. Uh, But I think we have everything kind of covered that's coming up. Yeah. I mean, it's Spider-Man, then it's it's Mountain of Madness, or whatever, Um, Doctor Strange. The Eternal. The Eternals is that. The Eternals, and then uh, uh, Multiverse of Madness, I believe. Yeah. So what's on Shap? Uh, We will be discussing a war that a lot of people don't know about, but it's an important war, and 
finally the truth is going to come out. And there's a shocking Shyamalan right at the end. A shocking one. And I have pictures that I sent you. You got the pictures? I got the pictures. You're going to have to cue me, man. I will cue you. I will cue you. I've got A, B, C, and D all lined up. Okay. Yeah. So, Pretty sure I have them in the right order. Okay, I mark them on the chat when they come. So, yeah, no, don't worry about that. I got you. All right. So then let's get on over there. Yes. So until next week. Self-adhesive tape? Yes, please. I love that. And cut... I'm really trying to get some spin on that. Yeah. And cut on that. And cut on that. Bye! Yes! If you're like me, you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, The Pope on Film. I mean, who is it nowadays? It's sweeping the nation. It is just a clean sweep. This segment is a janitor because it's just sweeping the nation. But only real fans, true hardcore fans that have been with us since episode one would know two facts about us, about the both of us, two undeniably really real and in no way made up on the spot facts about you and I, America's hottest podcasting couple, Bunny and Steve. First and foremost, Bunny, is that in your spare time, you are a screenwriter and a very successful one at that. Can you tell us, though, Bunny, why you only write Barbie animated direct-to-DVD movies? Barbie represents the ideal woman in a 50s patriarchal fantasy. Okay? So, so there is a lot to say about Barbie, the filthy fucking whore she is. Nice. Nice. That can only be told through Barbie animation. I really like I really like the movie that you wrote, Barbie in the Slime Bowl Bolarama. Yes. I really like that one. That was a good one. Yes. That that was a thank you. Um, there was also Barbie has cooties. Yeah. Uh, I was I was pretty proud of that one. Uh, that was a horror movie. Um, uh, it's not Beach Sand Barbie scratching. You that know was that movie. was that was uh, that was a uh, that was actually supposed to be a children's movie. You know, hmm. but things just didn't pan out. That's all I say. I want to say all of the lawsuits have been settled. Nice. So we could drop it now. Yeah, okay, good. Good, good, good. Glad to hear it. And the second fact that you would know about me is that I'm a lover of history. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. So what I like to do at this part of the podcast is find a story from the history books, maybe one that people don't know too well, and reword it 
via my own unique storytelling style, and that's what this is, another educationally uneducational installment of Steve's Historic Approximation! Dun, 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 dun. Or shap, as I like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Personally, I like the name Shap, and uh, hey, fun fact for you, if you work for IBM, then Shap stands for the Special Health Assistance Provision, which is a program that reimburses you for any medical work you may have that happens to be out of network, which is nice, but you do have to fill out the proper Shap form which is available at acclarisonline.com. Be sure to fill it out completely. That is very important. Anywho, this week on the old Shappity Shap Shap, we will be discussing a war <coughs> that broke <broke coughs> in Australia in 1932, which will sound fake, but I swear it 100% happened. And this, this Shap does have a twist at the end. A Shyamalan. Okay. So be prepared for the Shyamalan at the end. Really gonna uh, just kick you in the jimmies. Uh, and for those of you wondering, hey, what is Australia? Let me tell you, uh, it's just a part of New Zealand. Yeah. Not a lot of people have heard of it. Have heard of Australia? Australia? What's that? Oh. It's an island near New Zealand. Okay, 10-4. See what I'm doing? But, but their accents are really fairly different. Yes. Which yes. is interesting. And for Christ's sakes, Gutenberg, Steve Gutenberg, was right about the New Zealand accent in that stupid-ass movie, I forget what it was called, he was in. Casablanca? Huh? Was it uh, The Passion of Christ? It was not Passion of the Christ, although Steve Gutenberg was excellent in that. Steve Gutenberg uh, played Jesus, and then Judas was played by Michael Winslow doing funny sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> As they're nailing Jesus to the cross, he's making uh, nail noises with his mouth, and the guy banging the nails looks at the hammer like, am I doing that? And then, oh, <laughs> Judas! Yeah. Yeah. You see the whole thing. Yeah. It, yeah. That was uh, wonderful. Good. Go ahead. That was absolutely wonderful. A lot of people lump New Zealand with Australia, but I'm switching that up. So Australia is just a part of New Zealand. Uh, okay. Funny. You can. You can put. New Zealand uh, gave us Lord of the Rings. Australia gave us Crocodile Dundee. More importantly, New Zealand gave us one of the greatest lines in the history of movies. I kick ass for the Lord. Uh -huh. One of my favorite lines from a movie where a priest in a New Zealand cemetery is fighting what are basically zombies. Anyway. Yes. Also, New Zealand gave us Flight of the Concords and the Sodomy song. From the end of Meet the Feebles. Yes. One of my favorite musical numbers in the history of mankind. You can put up slide A, buddy. The first one. You can Exhibit put that one up. A. So, okay. So, we're talking about Australia. 
in this shack. Let me set up. Uh, let me set up the story for you. The year is 1919. The first world war is over, and all of the soldiers are returning home. Uh, and in Australia, apparently, what the Australian government did is like, hey, there's a world war. And if it's a big hit, they're going to do a sequel. So you should go out and fight the war for us. And the Australian people are like, hey, bye, bye, cracky. I don't know. Uh, and they were also told that there was no pay and they were doing it for the exposure. Kind of. Kind of. Yeah. You're, you're actually, like, on the money. And... The Australians are like, what will you do with us, for us? What will you do for us if we go and fight this war? And the Australian government says, we will give you land. And you will become landowner. We will give you free land if you fight in this world war. Now go and risk your life for us, please. So it's the end of World War I. All of the soldiers are returning home. And they go, hey... Australia, we're back from the freaking war. A bunch of us died. Anywho, uh, you promised all of us soldiers land, so where's our land? And the government points to an empty field, which there is a lot of in Australia, and says, here you go. And the soldiers are like, um, what the fuck is this? And the, uh, the government goes, it's farmland. Didn't we tell you? You're yes. all fucking farmers now. Yeah. You're now officially farmers, and this nation needs wheat, so go be farmers and grow us some wheat. Don't worry if farming is too hard for you veterans. We will totally be paying you in subsidies. Well, spoiler alert, Australia didn't pay a single subsi subsidy to the veterans. I think a dingo ate their subsidies. Yeah. Now that I think about it, a dingo ain't your subsidy. So just imagine you fighting World War One. You face horrors, atrocities. Your friends die in your hands. You are holding your dead friend, and his his intestines are spilling out of his body, and you're trying to keep them in his body, and just the blood and guts and intestines are flying out of your hands. And finally, you come home, having seen such horrors and atrocities that you will never forget. And the government says, congratulations, you're a fucking farmer now. Hey, we'll pay you. And then they never pay them. Yeah. Like, that's really fucked up. And so the 1920s were a very angry time with all of the forced veteran farmers growing wheat and then not getting paid the subsidies they were promised. The farmers are pissed, and every year they get more and more pissed, and they keep threatening to just stop farming. They're going to start the means of production. There's going to be a goddamn communist uh, uprising in freaking Australia. Uh, hey, Australia, hope you can live without wheat, because uh, us forced veteran farmers are getting real fucking pissed off over here. So this is the setting. So... It's 1932, and the veteran farmers are getting their wheat crops set up, while also threatening to not grow any wheat, because 
fuck the Australian government for not paying them. That is when the enemy arrived. Growing wheat. I don't know how much you know about wheat growing. We're still on slide A, right? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. But we will be switching soon. I don't know how much you know about wheat growing, Bunny, but growing wheat requires a buttload of water. Just a ton of water. And in Australia, you know what? You know what's in Australia? Well, well, number one, Australians. Number two, koalas, and apparently they all have STDs. Yeah. And then number three, there are emus. Yes. The second largest living bird. Uh, second only two. Can you tell me what is the largest bird? The ostrich. No, Big Bird. Big Bird. In Sesame Street. Who is an ostrich, is he not? No, no, he's just a big-ass bird, and there's just one of them. So it goes Big Bird, and then emus and ostrich. And then, and the rest. All the yeah. other birds are just, are just and the rested, like the professor and Marianne. Emus are native to Australia. Huge-ass birds, fast runners, wobbly bodies, wobbly heads, wobbly necks. Good luck catching an emu. Yeah. They are fat. They and are very strong. aggressive, I have heard. Yeah, they are super aggressive. And so this is what happens in Australia. Every year the emus have a breeding season. Emu sex. A big Australian emu orgy. Uh, and then afterwards they go, Phew, good orgy, everyone. Really good uh, sexing. Now let's go to the coastline. Because there's a shit ton of water at the coastline. So we're going to walk to the coastline. We can hydrate for a few months, and then finally, when we're rehydrated, it's orgy time again. So that's, that's an emu's year, okay? But I'd, what I'd like to think happened was, it's 1932, and this time around, there's an emu who thinks outside of the box. Yeah. This would be the emu Robin Williams would voice if they made a movie. He's like, no. I'm going to go a different route, you know? Let's call him Barry. Barry the emu. And he goes, you know what? I'll meet you emus at the coastline. I'll meet you there. Because I always go the same route with you guys, and it's crowded, and there's just a bunch of us. Like, I need space. I'm going to go the long route. You guys go that way. I'm going to just go over here and just get into an adventure, see what I can do. Uh, wander the earth like Cain and Kung Fu. I'll meet the rest of you guys down there. And so Barry the Emu goes off on his own. He's the first one to notice it. Uh, so you can you can move it to a slide B now. You can move it to slide B. So Barry goes off on his own and he searches. He goes off in search of just fun and see what things he can see. So Barry the Emu is the first one to notice it. Barry the Emu is the first one. Okay? So he runs to the coast. He meets up with the others. And he's like, guys, guys, guys. You know how, how, how we, we, uh, we have our big Emu orgy in the middle of Australia, and then we walk all the way to the coastline so we can get water? Uh, I found these farms. And they have a shit ton of water. So if we just go to the farms, 
we don't have to go all the way to the beach. And everyone's like, oh man, we don't have to freaking walk all the way over here? No, fuck it. Okay, let's go. And this is true. Remember, in 19, remember, 100% true. In 1932, the emus descend upon Australia's farmers. Over 20,000 emus. Oh my God. Descend like a biblical plague on Australia's farmers. Basically, imagine the American Dust Bowl. To put yes. an American perspective on it, because we need a, an American perspective on everything in, in America. So just imagine the dust bowl in the United States, but imagine the dust is also pecking your face and taking huge dumps everywhere. Just imagine the dust bowl, but it can also scratch your eye out. Yeah. And then there you go. So that's what they're dealing with. So overnight, the forced veteran farmers of Australia have their farms, their crops, their freaking everything just totally decimated by 20,000 emus. It's an emu army. Suddenly the entirety of the nation's farmland is destroyed in one fell swoop by the 20,000 emu army overnight. What is Australia to do? So the farmers meet with the government and a deal is made. And it's like, hey, government, you have to do something. Send in the troops, send in people. We've got nothing. We have been destroyed. And Australia's like, well, you know, I don't know if we're going to do it because we have a long history of fucking over you farmers. I mean, you guys will have to meet us halfway. What's in it for us? And so a deal is made. If the, vet, the forced veteran farmers provide food and lodging and pay for ammunition... Huh, I'm just going to repeat that a second time for yeah. no good reason. If the farmers pay for ammunition, yes. then Australia would send in the entirety of the Australian army to fight the emu menace. Hence, the name, the official name, the 1932 emu war. An actual thing that actually happened. So the way that I see it in my head is just imagine, if you will, a desolate patch of Mad Max type land, which I assume is like 40% of all of Australia. You know, uh, just a dirt road and some mountains and some guy strapped to the front of a vehicle that's on fire. Yes. And uh, just, you know, all you see is dust and dirt and uh, occasionally a thunderdome. And so, yes. now imagine farmland there in the middle of nowhere, uh, but instead of farmers, it's angry fucking veterans. In yeah. my mind, I think of a farmer as like, you know, this old withered white man, and oh, my father gave this farm to me, and he got it from his grandfather. He's in, he's in touch with the land. Yeah. And times are hard. He harmonizes with nature. And he's one of those people where it's like, huh, is the wheat ready? Huh, let me pick up one stalk and smell it. Hmm, let me lick it a little bit. Uh, two more weeks. A, a classic farmer is a nurturer. 
and he picks up the soil and he rubs it in his hand. He spills a little bit and he's like, huh, it's going to be a good crop this season. Yes. Maybe he puts a little bit of dirt in his mouth, like chew between his gums and his, and his lip. And he's like, mmm, that's good dirt. We're going to have a good, we're going to have a good, he's up at like 4.30 every morning. Yeah. To start doing the work. But then when I imagine uh, farmers in Australia, uh, they're all Michael Rooker. Yeah. You know? They're all just like pissed, and at any moment they'll shoot you, and their arms are covered in tattoos of naked prostitutes they bang. Okay, I think I, I, think I got it. They're the chain gang from Cool Hand Luke. Yeah, yeah. They're all out in the fields with, with, with hoes, and they're digging trenches, they're turning over the land, they're getting ready to plant, but they are not fucking happy about it. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy to think of how uh, farmers in Australia, especially in the 1930s, differ from your idea of an American farmer. So imagine... Desolate wasteland in the middle of their farms, and in those farms there are angry, pissed-off veterans. Now imagine 20,000 emus on the land fighting uh, veterans of World War One. But now, imagine the Australian army fucking tanks and jeeps and machine guns rolling in to fight the emu menace. And here's the thing, though. Um, they're like, oh, this will be easy. We've got guns. We've got rifles, we've got machine guns. We are just easily gonna decimate this emu army. Emus are fast as fuck! Yes. They were, didn't you, to, they're like one of the fastest to, land animals, right? Didn't yeah. you say that before? Yeah, yeah they're fucking yeah. fast as shit. You can move it to slide C. Emus are fucking huge! They are huge! And they're fast! And they're running like a son of a bitch, and they're angry, and they will attack you. They will fucking decimate you, and then they've got wobbly-ass necks. There is a surprising amount of emu war fan art out there. Yeah. A lot. And this uh, picture right here, this is, uh, this right here, this is one of them. Uh, just a random one that I found that I'm really happy with. But, uh... So not only are they fast, yeah, they're, 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 they're like emu are kind of like the badgers of the bird world. Yeah, you know, also got, they can call yeah. geese pussies. Yeah, they've also got their head on a swivel. They got that rotating neck that's just wobbling all over the place. So in the first six days of the emu war, the army had already used a fourth of their total ammunition. They already were running out of ammunition and needed more ammunition after only six days. But the, the army said, hey, don't worry though, we've, we've, gone, we've done good. We have killed, uh, let's see my notes here, 200. Yeah. Now remember, there's 20,000 and they're here talking about how they used a fourth of their total ammunition and only killed 200 birds. So they've wasted a ton of ammunition for a very ridiculously small amount of dead emus. 
And don't forget the veteran farmers who are getting screwed over by the government. They're the ones paying for the ammunition that the army is wasting trying to kill emus with fucking machine guns. Yes. Apparently, it's, it's really difficult to kill an emu with a machine gun. Because it's moving all over the place. Even with a thousand bullets in your machine gun, good luck trying to shoot emus in a pack of emus. Yeah. Okay, that is that is a weird way to combine the 1932 Emu War and the Matrix, but okay. Yes, they they are fast. Yes, like Neo. There you go. Hey, and, and they're they're emus. I mean, yeah. can't you come up with a better way of dealing with emus? I mean, shit, you might have had a better job of just putting two swords in your hands and just moving around in a circle. You might yeah. have a better job killing emus that way than with a freaking machine gun. By day seven, over 2,500 rounds of ammunition have been used, and uh, the army said that between 200... To 500 emus had been killed, but other people at the time, including some of the farmers, they were like, uh, hey, don't listen to the army. They only killed like 50. Yes. So, depending on who you believe, they killed anywhere from 500 to 50 emus. Meanwhile, the media is having a field day with At this. At a 20,000? Yeah, out of 20,000, they killed somewhere between 500 to 50 emus in a week, and they used over 2,500 rounds of ammunition. The media's front-page headlines in Australia, uh, government losing war to birds. <laughs> birds defeating Australian army. So the military arrived on November 2nd, 1932 to start the Great Emu War and retreated on November 8th, 1932. The army retreated. Oh, man. And the veteran farmers are all like, um, excuse me, we're still, we're still dealing with an emu-demic over here. Can you help us out like you said you would? So on November 12th, the Australian army is like, fucking fine, we'll go back. Okay, round two. Uh, and they resumed the Emu War. And I just love the visual image of Australian soldiers in combat vehicles killing Emus with machine guns. Yeah. You know? Like, I, and I know that this is like a stereotype, but... I'm just gonna come out and say it. You might have had better luck with Boomerang. Yeah. You know? You might have had better luck at defeating the emus. You know? I mean, I mean, okay, okay. Yes, I understand they're emus, and yes, I understand they're very fast, but, like, if they're traveling as a, in a big pack, as the previous screen suggested, yeah. like, it seems like you don't even really have to aim. Yeah. You know, you shoot in the pack, and you you will be mowing down emu. So what is the problem here? You would think that. You would think that. But apparently it's much harder than that. Apparently once you show up with your Jeep C 
filled with the turret gun Jesse Ventura used in Predator, they start running like a motherfucker in all different directions. It's not like, oh no, they're shooting at us, let us move in a pack away. Apparently what the emus do is, shit, these they scatter, scatter, yeah. and then they just go their own way, and so now the Australian army is forced to try and focus on one, but like, good luck shooting one. And yeah, apparently it's fucking hard as shit to kill an emu with a machine gun. Who knew? Yeah. Apparently Australian veterans did. Anywho, they killed some, but obviously not all. And by December of 1932, the news of the Australian emu war started traveling all over the globe. And scientists in Europe came down hard condemning Australia, saying... Essentially, what is happening is the Australian government is trying to eradicate an entire species of birds, and the birds are winning, and we've got to err on the side of the birds here. We cannot yeah. let this stand. Over, it, by the, near the end of the Great Emu War, over 10,000 rounds of ammunition were used to kill only... 900 of the 20,000 emus. And the, the public blowback over this failed emu war was so great, the public outcry was so huge, that uh, at the end of 1932, the Australian government officially stopped their war on emus. So to reiterate, Australia declared war on emus! And emus won! Yes. Like, who can beat the Australian army? Apparently, a couple of birds can. See, I, I still don't understand why... I mean, it sounds just to, just to build the poor, you know? Yeah. But it just doesn't make sense for the military. It's like, well, you know, you're the farmers on the land... You are the ones with the emu problem. You're a trained fighting force. Yes, we will help you by sending you guns and ammunition, but there will be a fee for that. You know, I mean, and just put it on the farmers to fight off the emus. Yeah, you, yeah, you would think that's, that. I mean, that's a good idea. It's better than sending the freaking army to go fight emus, apparently. I mean, now, I mean, they are, in effect, a trained army already, and they know the land. Yeah. 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 I gotta get me one of those signs. Yeah, I just made it. I'm really, I'm really proud of it. At, at the present moment, right now in 2021, there are over 700,000 emus having emu orgies all over Australia. Uh, why? Because they won the great emu war of 1932. Shit, they can have all the sex they want. Yeah. Oh, you earned it, emus. And, and, which, of course, is where the expression as easy as shooting an emu came from. You know that classic expression? I have like, never oh, heard that. Climb, oh, we need to climb this mountain? This will be as easy as shooting an emu. It's not an expression, but I'm hoping to start it. Okay. I think uh, that we definitely should start it. Now, I, I, I agree. I just want to point out that we we did not have a lot of success with It's a Pippin. 
surprise us I I don't have a whole hold out a whole hell of a lot of hope you know I think it's gonna be what I'm kind of afraid it's gonna be you know but eh I don't know I I would hope John Cleese is intelligent enough that cancel culture is not really a fucking thing and no, it is no, no different than what humans have always done. No, uh, cancel culture is what is ruining uh, society right now. It is horrible that, that 
you just say one horrible joke or say one horrible thing in America and uh, society cancels you. He probably came up with that while hanging out with his close personal friend, J.K. Rowling. And uh, I can see why uh, John would be against cancel culture, because remember his amazing show, Faulty Towers? Oh man, that show was hilarious. I loved the parts where the stupid Spaniard said something stupid, because he couldn't speak the Queen's English like normal people. Ah, foreign people are so stupid. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, John, yeah. please... Junkies and his best friend J.K. Rowling are trying to fight against cancel culture. So, uh, Rob Schneider is looking like the best one in this group at, the point, at this point. When, you know? when hasn't this fucking existed? You know, I mean, I lived through Procter and Gamble, motherfucker. You know, a pack of fucking right-wing evangelicals decide that the Procter & Gamble symbol is satanic. And it's all over the fucking news. I mean, I would cry if it wasn't a big corporation. Yeah. But they it, it hurt their business. Wah, wah, I don't give a fuck, but... Is that not cancel culture? Yeah. And where did that come from? What drove the entire satanic panic, which was all about cancel culture? Yep. You know, so like, please, go ahead. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And since we're on the topic, I've been kind of meaning to give a shout-out to Seth Rogen. You know? Why? Uh, Because he had... He had done a series of interviews, and he covered kind of a lot of topics. You know, I think it was like a quick interview kind of a thing. And one of them is that he was was asked about cancel culture and things like that, and he was like, you know, I'm sorry, but comedy changes. And I'm sorry if comedy is changing right now, but that is how it is. What you're calling cancel culture is things that people just aren't finding funny anymore. Yeah, and the and the far right and the far right keeps saying that cancel culture is ruining America. And to be clear, I I, I want to say that again. Uh, the far right who has previously tried to boycott Apple, Target, Disney, Netflix, the NFL, Geico, Wells Fargo, Campbell Soup, Starbucks, Macy's, Pepsi, Archie Comics, Nordstrom, Amazon, Marvel Comics, Ben & Jerry, Anheuser-Busch, Amazon.com, and American Girl Dolls. They're so sick of cancel culture. Yeah. So, it's yeah. awful. It's awful. And shit changes, man. Some things just aren't as funny anymore, regardless of the reason. Like, like I find a big form of my whole humor is stupid outrage. Yeah. You know? 
getting mad over nothing, getting over the top mad. I've, I can't think of an example, but I've done it a million times. Yeah. Well, these days, that only works if you know me. Yeah. Or else people just think I'm stupid. Yeah. Because there are so many... I can't top people taking horse dewormer. <laughs> You know, my stupidity has a hard time matching the fucking reality. You know? And I I get it. I'm not blaming anybody. Uh, If somebody else said it that I didn't know, I would think they were a fucking moron. Yeah. You know, so like, I'll do something like that and like, you'll laugh, Jeannie will laugh, a couple of friends on Facebook would laugh, but everybody else would think I'm a fucking moron. Yeah. You know? Like, if I started talking about and getting outraged about Joe Biden being a clone, which I could certainly do, I could probably do a good five minutes on that. Uh, but anyway... <coughs> yeah. It's a joke. It's a big fucking joke. But, like... Motherfucker, it's already been done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? So yeah, I understand what you're saying. I, 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 I don't like the screaming about cancel culture because your shit is stale. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. So, so that's the story of the great emu war. A war that Australia fought against emus and then emus won. So that's why in World War II, the first thing that Hitler did is unleash his army of trained emus. Yeah. And that's why Hitler took over so many nations, because all of the Nazi soldiers were writing emus. Uh-huh. And so all of the Russian and Australian soldiers are like, shit, we can't shoot the Nazis. They're moving too fast. Damn it. Well, now, did they, did they then ride those emu to Antarctica, where they had met the very large, quote-unquote, Nordic-type aliens who were teaching them how to build flying saucers? Fucking probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Next week, we will be talking about, uh, on Shaft, we will be talking about uh, one of the, the greatest, the second greatest baseball player. Because everyone knows that the greatest baseball player is Doc Ellis. Yes. Just who we have discussed on the podcast before. Yes, but, we have. Uh, I have found the number two greatest baseball player of all time, and we're going to be telling his story next week. So join us next week for more educationally uneducational fun with Steve's Historic Approximation! And cut on that. Yes! We still have a movie to talk about and not just that. Man, we need to talk about Bill the Cat. Sylvester Stallone, Poison Ivy, uh, the Star Wars 
holiday special. Uh, the Fast and the Furious. Andy Warhol. That's it. I remember. <laughs> okay. But before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break. Okay, I concur. We will be right back with more of the Pope on Film after this. And break. Chef R.D. in the car. Be right back. I wanted somebody who was sweet. Oh, you're beautiful. Yeah, amazing what you find when your neighbors don't lock the car door. <laughs> you need a Bible? <laughs> I wanted a person who was family-minded. Uh, do you have any kids? Yeah, I'm sure somewhere. Hey, who is that there? That there picture of you? How about later on, you, me, and her get together in the bedroom? 
I wanted someone adventurous. Uh, are you expecting somebody? Look, uh, <laughs> if it's the cops, I'm not here. You're wanted by the cops? Yeah, look, it's a little bit of a misunderstanding. <laughs> See, I, I didn't know she was 15. I, I thought she was 12. <laughs> I wanted someone to call me unexpectedly and tell me they needed me. Hello? Hey, baby. Ted, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. I know, baby, but I need you real bad. The cops got me. <laughs> I need bail money like now. It cost me 20 minutes of my time to fill out the questionnaire. $700 to join, one bad date, 20 calls a night for two weeks, and another $200 to file a restraining order. Thanks a lot, loverstate.com. Loverstate.com. We just promised you a date. Wow. This room? This room is perfect. The aura in here, man. Oh, this room is so good. This is a great, great room. Yeah, I mean, this room is exactly like the one downstairs. I mean, you can do whatever you want. A shrine right there on the wall. Yes, a shrine with incense. Yes, and you smell the incense everywhere. Yes. And my Chopra poster. Chopra, wasn't he in the next Star Trek? And my sign. My sign right there. Oh, yes, my sign. Well, we'll have to move the TV. Yes, throw it out. Oh, yes, get rid of it altogether. Wait, home. You you don't need a TV downstairs if you don't want it. No, No. that TV. That TV? That one. Wait, wait, are you talking about moving in here? Well, yeah, man. <laughs> no, 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 you guys can't move in here. Uh, well, why know. not? It, uh, it's... Um, I, I sleep in the daytime. Well, me too, man. Nice move. No, Lori. It's the sun. I say it's the moon. I know it's the sun. Now, by my mother's son, that's myself. It shall be moon or star or anything I list. Dare we journey back to your father? Go on. Get the board. There's seriously something wrong.
around the world. His name is Sam Fear. Master of the pan flute, that magical instrument with the unforgettable sound. Now in his magnificent all-new collection, Sam Fear plays the world's most beautiful melodies. by calling toll-free 1-800-421-2000. Or, to save all additional charges, send check or money order for only $12.98 for two albums or two cassettes, or $19.98 for two compact discs to Zomphir, P.O. Box 8449, Atlanta, Georgia. Remember, that's Zomphir, P.O. Box 8449, Atlanta, Georgia. Be like water. And come back next week, or I'll kick your ass.
gotta be kidding me. You're gonna risk the entire mission for a mental defective dress as a court jester. This is coming from a guy that wears a toilet seat on his head. We don't leave one of our own behind. Hopefully Harley's still alive. No funny business, Colonel. These are dangerous people. Team two is clear to go. Fire up. Three, two. What are you guys doing? What? You, we're, we're here to save you. You were gonna save me? It was a really good plan, too. Well, I can go back inside and you can still do it. That's patronizing. I'm so sorry. Harley Quinn. Bloodsport. You know the deal? Successfully complete the mission, you get 10 years off your sentence. Times are hard. You fail to follow my orders in any way. And I detonate the explosive device in the base of your skull. Can do the job so this is the famous Suicide Squad. Nom nom. Any questions? Ah. Yes, that is your hand. Very good. We're all gonna die. I hope so. Oh, for fuck's sake. Here's the deal. We fail the mission, you die. If we find out any information you give us is false, you die. If we find out you have personalized license plates, you die. What? No. If you cough without covering your mouth... Harley, although that isn't an open invitation for you to cough without covering your mouth. What's the plan? What the hell am I supposed to know? You're the leader. You're supposed to be decisive. And I've decided that you should eat a big bag of dicks. If this whole beach was completely covered in dicks, if somebody said I'd eat every dick until the beach was clean for liberty, I would say no problem. Why would someone put penises all over the beach? Who knows why madmen do what they do? This is suicide. Well, that's kind of our thing. When they get you out of here alive. I'm going to get you out of here alive. Oh my god! We've got a freaking kaiju up in this shit! Uh-huh. I love the rain. It's like angels are smooching all over us. Discussing our movie of the week, 
And this week we discuss something actually fun for once. The 2021 film that, uh, as opposed to the films we watched this summer, does not suck balls. The new movie, The Suicide Squad. And first yes. off, let me say that everyone was talking about how great John Cena was in this film. I looked all over the place. I didn't see him at all. <laughs> so, okay. I don't know where he was. Did he, did he play the rat? I don't know. I didn't see him. Yeah. So, uh, after the summer that we had, we spent this entire summer doing a deep dive into the IMDb bottom 100 list of the 100 worst movies of all time. And after that horrible, hideous, uh, <laughs> no good, very bad summer, uh, it's nice to, to, to watch a, a movie with, a, with a, a script that isn't horrible. Yeah. And with uh, people in it that can actually act. Yes. And uh, I, I, I'll keep saying it. You know, I every time I see John Cena in a movie, I thank God that no one wanted to buy his rap out. Yes. <laughs> so every time I see John Cena, I go, oh, thank God he was bad at rapping. I, I now, really haven't seen John Cena that I'm, I'm aware of. I think this is pretty much, I know he's been in things. He was in Bumblebee. Did you see Bumblebee? Yeah, I vaguely recall Bumblebee. It was a he fun was movie, one, though. That's all I remember. He was the one who finally said, hey, maybe we shouldn't trust these Decepticons. Uh, because I, they say they're good guys and they're here to help, but I think they're bad guys. And also, you know, it, it should be said, they're called the fucking Decepticons. Maybe we shouldn't trust the guys with deception in their freaking name. Are all of you idiots? So I, I, I appreciate that. So anyway, thank God that, that uh, John Cena can't rap, because now we get to see these movies. And I'm hoping that eventually, I know this is ridiculous, I know that this is stupid, but I hope that eventually someone makes some action movie that, that stars John Cena and The Rock and Batista. I think John Cena and The Rock were both in one of the Fast and Furious, but to have those three together in a movie, that I would see. Yeah. You know? Uh, Bunny, what are your initial thoughts? What do you like about this film? I... I have a big list. What do you like? It's really... I... Out of the comic book movies that I enjoy, I do not enjoy this as much as a Marvel movie. And I'm going to attribute a lot of that to just not knowing the characters very well, so a lot of the nuance just goes by me. Um, but, out of everything that DC offered, DC has offered, it is by far and away my favorite DC movie. 
yeah, this out of the, when it comes to movies I could watch over and over again, it's this and Shazam. Really this this is a movie like I have I have a hard I hope that was a good enough description for it. I sort of sort of feel like I need to bring it through a wormhole and twist it around a bit to actually get at what I what I think about this movie. Okay. I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I liked it a whole fucking lot. Yeah. I don't like it as much as Guardians of the Galaxy, which would be its closest comparison. Yeah. You know. I I there's a lot that I like about this movie. I like the psycho swerve that happens, like, right before the credits. Yeah. You know, the, the whole idea of, oh, Vivian Leigh, the star of Psycho, and then she dies a half hour into the movie Psycho. So I feel that, like, here are the, here are the, the suicide squad, and then you realize, then they just all die. Yeah. Spoiler alert. And then you realize that they were just a diversion for another team. Like, I really like that. I like I like the little snippets that you get of seeing other D-list villains in the prison in the beginning. Like you yeah. see Calendar Man played by Sean Gunn in the opening. Yeah. And uh, I like that. Is that uh, who he was? I just I was just like, oh, there's Sean Sean Gunn. Yeah, you can you can see uh, January, February, March, April, May uh, tattooed around his uh, skull. Well, see, that's exactly what I mean, that that I am not familiar enough to... Like, this is what I'm definitely willing to give the movie, is that I am not familiar enough with the DC Universe to appreciate things exactly like that. Yeah, it, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of little things hiding like that. Like, uh... The, the guy who was next to Sean Gunn laughing was a character, an obscure, like, Flash villain, I think. And his name is Double Down. And these magical uh, playing cards will appear all over his body. And he carves them out of himself and throws them at good guys. Like a really weird body horror sort of thing. So Calendar Man is making a joke and right next to him is a guy with squares carved out of his face and that's double that. That sounds way time consuming in a fight. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. You know, first I have to generate a picture of a card on my face. Then I have to, I mean, I mean, even if it's pre- like pre-perforated somehow during the tattooing process, I guess, so that you could just rip it without having to get a scalpel and shit like that. And then you have to energize that flap of skin with whatever power you have. Yeah, like, it might be easier if you just, um, is there any way that your magical power could be on, like, Pre-processed cheese slices, and then you can yes. just throw the cheese. Just yes. Like, I I would like to see a gambit, 
but he's really clumsy with cars. <laughs> and so he's like, oh yeah, mon ami. Well, is this your card? Oh shit, I dropped him. Hold on, hold on. Shit, like, okay, here. Is this your card? Oh shit, that, that was the rules. I, I, I don't think I can throw those ones. Shit, let me find one. A joker, will this work? I am I am down with that, and and that gambit has to be just like arrogant as fuck. Yeah. You know, like like you face the great and powerful gambit. Prepare to die. And like he doesn't know. <laughs> and that's where the cards go everywhere. Yeah. He doesn't know how to like shuffle. Yeah. <laughs> And then he has a cousin, and he has the same power, but he only throws shoes. Yes. So it's like if he gets into a fight, there better be no more than two people he's fighting. Yes. Because he only has two shoes. Yes. Oh, no, there's bad guys. Oh, wait, there's three of them. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But... Cousin Greg. Yeah, I, I I loved Harley mm -hmm. Quinn's over the top New York accent, like your classic <clears throat> fake New York accent. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I really appreciate that. Just just and and. She had just some good bits yeah, she did. in this with, with they're coming to break her out, but she's already been broken out, and she comes up behind them while they're trying to rescue her. That was that great. Was and who's Milton? <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about Milton. That's really good. Are, are, are we... We're always spoiling shit, aren't we? Yeah, there were a yeah. lot of really good, very entertaining parts of it. Yeah, I, I, I also I, again. It's I mean, it was a really good movie. Yeah, I liked it. It was a really good movie when uh, all the cute ass little sucker fish were yeah. popping up on the glass to the king shark guy. Yeah, that was a fun little bit, and I, I kind of thought that that's where that was gonna go. I like the fact that Rick Ladd, who was in the first Suicide Squad film, is in the second Suicide Squad film, but I like the fact that he looks like shit in the second Suicide Squad film, because in the first one, he's just all handsome and rugged and buff and willing to fight the bad guys no matter what it takes, but in the second film, he looks like he's seen some shit. Yeah. He doesn't look as buff, he doesn't look as handsome, there's more rings around his eyes, and it just shows that, like, time has passed between the last film and this film, and motherfucker's done some things and seen some shit, and I like that, you know? <laughs> he looks exhausted in this film, but that's good. I also yeah. like the swerve of the first person we meet is Michael Rooker, and his character is this bad guy. And then finally, when the shit hits the fan, he just runs away. Yeah. You know, I like that. 
And I love the opening credits because they use the song People Who Died by the Jim Carroll Band. Is that who does it? I love that fucking song. Yeah, Jim Carroll is an author and a poet and a musician. And when he was younger, he uh, got into drugs and he worked for Andy Warhol. And he was one of many people who Andy Warhol wouldn't write a script. Andy Warhol would hire people to write a script for Andy Warhol. And so Jim Carroll was one of the numerous people that would, like, do drugs with him and hang out with him and uh, write dialogue for his shitty movies. He got addicted to heroin at, like, a young fucking age. And when he tried to, to, like, get off of heroin, he got into, like, art and poetry and music. And he wrote this song with his band that is literally just a young heroin addict talking about all of the other, uh, like, misfits and addicts he knew and how they died. And that's the entire song, yeah. and I fucking love it, and it's perfect for the opening of the Suicide Squad, and it feels like, it feels it, the same way that it does hearing Miserloo in the opening credits of Pulp Fiction, that this song is so badass that it sets up a gauntlet that the rest of the film now has to live up to. Yeah. Yeah. You know? This this song, what this song always reminds me of, and, and I never knew who did it. I know it from uh, the end of the Dawn and the Dead remake. Yeah, forgot about that. It's in the closing credits and the interspersed ending shots from the movie. Yeah. Through the song. So that's where I know it from, but it's very reminiscent of the ending passage of uh, Philip K. Dick's Scanner Darkly. Yeah. Um, Where he's listing all of his friends who have either died of overdose (gasps) or have otherwise fucked themselves up by taking drugs while not passing judgment on any of them. Yeah. Yeah. Love that song so much, and I was so happy to like go into a James Gunn film and be like, "This song I already have on my phone." Yeah. So hooray! Like I'll have to add Kansas's song "Dirty Work," but I don't have to add Jim Carroll. He yeah. wrote a book about his childhood being a drug addict and all of that, and the book was called "The Basketball Diaries." Uh, he released it, I think, in the 80s, and then in the 90s it was turned into a movie with a ridiculously young-looking Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Now, I have a, I, I have a question, a Suicide Squad question. Okay, what's your question? Should the... Let me give my answer first. My answer is no. Okay. Should the weasel be developed into a bigger character? Um, I'm going to say yes, and I will tell you exactly why. Yeah. James Gunn based the character of the weasel on Bill the fucking cat. Yeah. Oh, that totally makes sense. 
and I love that, and it makes so much sense for James Gunn that he would, like, go to Bloom County for records <coughs> for a Suicide Squad film. And, like, when I first saw the movie, I didn't like the Weasel character, but I was really excited at the one scene at the end credits. But I wasn't a fan of the Weasel character, but then when I learned that about Bill the Cat, and I watched the movie again, ah, oh, it's, it's perfect. It's spot okay. on. It's just, it's everything. Okay, now let me defend my no. Okay. okay. Think about how cool it would be is if the weasel that came to this franchise what that chipmunk or whatever the fuck he is came to the Ice Age movies. Scrat. His name is Scrat, good sir. The weasel would be in every Suicide Squad movie, yay, possibly every dear, every DC movie henceforth. Yeah. But he's always just doing his own shit. Like, the movie just cuts away for a couple of seconds. What's Weasel doing? It has nothing to do with the rest of the fucking movie. Yeah, I'd be alright with that. But you I just get little right bits of of weasel story sprinkled throughout the DC universe. Yeah, I'd be fine with it. That would yeah. be awesome. That's a great idea. So uh, no, we wanted... wouldn't really be developing his character. Yeah. You know, he we would still be his... like a We'd just see his random adventures. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be awesome. You know who voices King Shark? Uh, Nanawe, they call him. No. Sylvester fucking Stallone. Oh, is that what it was? Like, I, I, I've seen his name come up on the credits, and as soon as the movie starts, I forget that Sylvester Stallone is in it. Yeah, really, never caught it's on. Really, it's really surprising, because Sylvester Stallone... He's the shark. ...voicing King Shark? That's... That's odd. I never expected Sylvester Stallone to voice someone who's stupid. Yeah. Sylvester Stallone is so articulate. Yes. You must be difficult to dumb down his already uh, brilliant-sounding voice. Yeah, I, I wasn't like. See now, now this is me again, not knowing enough about the DC universe, but like. To me, all he really kind of looked like was a, a Hulk ripoff. Yeah. You know? And all we really did is kind of change Hulk smash for Nom Nom. I, I mean, like... don't get me wrong, he was a fun character. He was very entertaining in the movie. You know? I, I like King Shark better when he's voiced by Ron Puntis in... The DC animated show Harley Quinn, which is fucking amazing. Yeah. The an the Harley Quinn animated show is fucking amazing, and I absolutely love it. Yeah. It is so good. I can't wait for season three. Did you see Lloyd Kaufman in the bar? For like a fucking fraction of a second. Yes. Did you Did you see the other cameo in the bar? 
No, because I just stopped and stopped and rewound that one. Like, because yeah, he was there, gone. It was, it was like, is that fucking? Yeah. And he was gone. I was. I had to go back to confirm that yes, in fact, that was Lloyd Kaufman. Yep. It, uh, a lot. But talk about blinking, you'd miss him. Yeah. A lot of people miss the second one. There are dancers on stage at the bar, and the dancer in the front with the red hair. That's actress. I wrote it down. Palm Clementia. Uh, she played Mantis. Oh, okay. In the Galaxy. So, that was cute. And I love the fact that the bad guy is Starro the Conqueror, who was the first villain that the Justice League ever formed to fight. From the first issue of Justice, uh, of the Justice League of America. Yeah. Their first, uh, their first villain was Starro the Conqueror. And that's always one of those, like, big DC villains that no one would ever be crazy enough to do in a movie. And so... Then, and it was a uh, fun villain for this movie. Yeah. This it, it, was a superhero movie. Yeah, with twisted this, superheroes. Yeah. This movie... Yeah, uh, it makes sense for James Gunn to pick... This is why, I mean, if you remember one of my biggest complaints on the first Suicide Squad movie was when, uh, I, I forget the name, Will Smith, Batman had his kid. Yeah. I'm sorry, a villain would have taken that shot. They would have yeah. shot through their child at the chance of taking Batman down. They're bad guys. So when we had the scene in the prison, I was like, I fucking absolutely loved it. When uh, Idris Elba's daughter came to visit because she had just stolen something and they, they had, had a yelling, a, screaming a, fight. Yeah, I was like, I was like, yes, it, this is exactly, he's the bad guy. Why are we expecting good parenting out of him? He's a shit fucking father. She's a shit fucking kid. And they're the next... She's just the next generation villain. I want to take this time to say that uh, the Bloodsport's daughter in that scene was played by actress Storm Reed, who was one of the stars of the... Uh, uh, the Forgotten... 2019 African-American sci-fi crime drama Don't Let Go. It was yeah. one of my movie picks of the week back when I was going to do movies, and it's like a time-traveling science fiction cop drama with an with a black cast, and that alone yeah. is, is like worth going to see it, but she's one of the stars in it. Her name is Storm Reed. And I, I fell in love with that movie, Don't Let Go. Not a lot of people saw it when it came out, but uh, it's a really good movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, really, I, I, I said just, this earlier in the podcast, but I really relate to Polka.Man's parental issues. Yes. Uh, now, I had heard, I have not I have not memorized this actor's name yet, but he's he's getting to the level of seriousness that I am going to have to learn his name, find out his yeah. name and learn it. But I have heard that 
I forget what it was, but he did something very nice for the actress who played his mother. Oh, that's nice. For having to be so, like, hateful toward her. Yeah. In the movie. That's cool. And I was like, well, goddamn, that's sweet. He, he's also in the MCU. He's the Russian one in Ant-Man. Yes. And, and he's from some third thing, too. Yeah. I love him because he says my favorite line in Ant-Man, which is, This is the work of gypsies. <laughs> and I say that a lot, like in a week. Yeah. I end up saying that a number of times. It's like, who drank all of this? I don't know. It definitely wasn't me. Are you sure? Yeah, it was the work of gypsies. <laughs> And I will a... say, the, the end scene with Harley in the eye freaked me the fuck out. With what? The end scene with Harley and the giant eyeball successfully freaked me the fuck out. Yes. The first time that I saw it. It, it, it freaked me out. Yeah. Freaked me the fuck out. Apparently, I have an eye thing, so, that's, so thanks, James Gunn. <coughs> uh, okay, well, Fuccio so Fulci got me over that years ago. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I've got the eye trauma king. Yeah, I've got a bunch of background as to how this movie got made. Okay. 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 So the first Suicide Squad film it's released in 2016. That film was written and directed by Hollywood Golden Boy David Ayer. He wrote the script for Training Day, King Kong Ain't Got Shit On Me, and he also wrote the first Fast and the Furious movie. Nice. So... I guess. Uh, I've never seen those movies. I actually can't say whether it's nice or not. Well, I don't know if the movie's any good either, but you wrote the first script in a massive ten-movie series. So... That gives you a lot of cred in Hollywood. <coughs> so he started directing movies in 2005, and they wanted. And when he when he got hired to direct Suicide Squad, his idea was like, oh, it's gonna be gritty. So they hired him. Like Warner Brothers is like, it's gonna be a gritty, dark film, gritty film. So they hired David Ayer, who wrote Training Day, Fast and Furious. And so it, what he created was a dark, moody, gritty film. And the first trailer for the movie shows that. There's no neon. There's no cute thing flying on the screen. And it's, a, it's that the very first trailer shows uh, David Ayer's dark vision. But apparently, I guess... His dark vision didn't test well because by the time the second trailer comes out, that's when the film is now the bright, glittery, neon hot topic monstrosity that everyone hates to this day. For a while on Twitter, a release the air cut was trending. Yeah. They're like the DC fanboys were hoping to do it again to see David Ayer's like a dark, gritty on the Suicide Squad. Apparently, he had like a half hour in the beginning of just backstory to all of the different Suicide Squad characters, and so when they cut his 
version of the movie, they cut all of that out and just used it as small sprinkles of flashbacks. Yeah. But originally, it was just a, 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 a long look at how all of the characters got there, and then the Suicide Squad happened. And there was none of this weirdo neon Hot Topic crap. So, yeah. David Ayers makes Suicide Squad, and it made a lot of people money, despite the fact that most people hated it. Like, it, it was commercially reviled, and it's like got a 25% on Rotten Tomatoes or something like that. But it made about $750 million goddamn dollars at the box office. So Warner yeah. Brothers is like, okay, we need to make a sequel, but we need to make it not the last movie. So that's a difficult uh, way to start out any film. But the original plan was Will Smith and David Ayers made Suicide Squad, and then they both left to go make uh, David Ayers' next film, motherfucking right, for yeah. Netflix. And I saw that movie three times for the goddamn podcast. I couldn't tell you anything that happened in that film. See, see, I am, I... Uh, here's something that, that I could kind of go for, though. Okay? Because mm -hmm. I find this very interesting that this movie is... The Suicide Squad. It's not Suicide Squad 2. It's its own thing. And and well let's let's run with that. Okay, so James Gunn did this one. Let's let's see Oliver Stone's Suicide Squad. Let's see Tommy Wiseau's Suicide Squad. You know? Yeah. Quentin Tarantino, the suicide squad. Yeah. We'll, we'll oh, no, just... we've got to go back to Cordo Maltese, and I forgot my shoes at home. Like, here's the framework. Here's what the suicide squad is. Watch your take. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, 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 Jordan Fields, the suicide squad. Yes. I keep down with that. Diablo Cody, whatever happened to her? <laughs> Diablo Cody's the Suicide Squad, yeah. Uh, the Suicide Squad, Gilmore Girls. Yes. Suddenly Harley Quinn is talking three times faster. Yes. Uh, so the plan was for Will Smith and David Ayers to do the Suicide Squad, and then they'd leave and do Bright, and then they would come back and they would both return to do the sequel to Suicide Squad. But David Ayers left Suicide Squad 2, the planned Suicide Squad 2, to instead do a different film. He wanted to do another DC movie. This one would be called Gotham City Sirens. Remember that, Gotham City Sirens. Okay. And the film would star Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, and Catwoman all in one movie and that was like a David Ayers was like oh I can't wait to do Suicide Squad 2 what other movies are you guys working on oh Gotham City Sirens shit fuck Suicide Squad 2 I want to do Gotham City Sirens so he leaves to do Gotham City Sirens but then Gotham City Sirens gets put on the back burner because wait we can't make this Gotham City Sirens movie and Birds 
Okay, David Ayers, we're putting Gotham City Sirens on hold. We're doing Birds of Prey instead. So David Ayers is like, that's fine, I'll wait. I, but I'm definitely attached. I can't wait to make the Gotham City Sirens movie, so remember that. So, uh, uh, da, 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 Birds of Prey. If you don't like Birds of Prey or Captain Marvel, I'm going to assume you're a scared of the giant. Um, so David Ayers is out as, as the director of Suicide Squad 2, and Warner Brothers is struggling to find directors. And at one point, they tried getting Mel Gibson to direct it, so I can only assume that the Warner Brothers executive office uh, doesn't have a single director. I think yes. that's a safe thing to assume about Warner Brothers uh, they don't hire Jews for the executive office. But what happened was, James Gunn has been a smash hit for the MCU. He yes. did Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, and that was a big hit. He, he was also a, uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Two, two grows on you a bit more. Yeah, yeah. You I mean, know... I, I didn't, I didn't like, like it as it much, much the first, first time I saw it, but now I see it now and like, oh, I love hearing the, that fucking Fleetwood Mac song and the beautiful scene where they're first looking at Ego the Living Planet and George Harrison comes on and it's like, oh, that, that's some beautiful shit. And, and I'm like, and I'm like, of course Peter Quill was conceived in the woods behind the Dairy Queen. Yeah. Yeah, of that, course. Yeah. You know, uh, I I mean, uh, there are a lot of really fun bits in that movie. Yeah. Uh, it just well, it just has to grow on you a little more than the first one, which was a, just like, bang, yeah, just not out of the far. box, amazing. Yeah. So, James Gunn was a a big hit for the MCU. He did Guardians of the Galaxy and Guardians of the Galaxy. Making a bunch of money for Marvel. He also wrote all of the Guardians of the Galaxy scenes in Infinity War. Anytime that Peter Quill or any of the other Guardians popped up in that film, he was writing it. So really? here is the team. Here is here is the Russo brothers, and they're writing the script. And oh shit! Now the Guardians of the Galaxy come, and whatever they pass the, the typewriter to James Gunn. So James yeah. Gunn wrote all of those scenes, and I like the fact that they did that. So uh, James Gunn is a huge hit for Marvel, but he's also a very vocal leftist who would spend a lot of time online attacking Donald Trump and the Trump administration and everyone in the far right. And so what they did is the right-wingers dug up all of the dirty and offensive tweets James Gunn did back in his... Roma days. Yeah. And he was making movies direct to VHS. Uh huh? Like lower than low budget movies. They dug up all And his first movies. his first movie, if you remember, that got any attention was uh what was it? Was it Shiver? Shiver. Shiver. I, I, I get conf a little bit confused with the title of that and an older Cronenberg movie. But this was the one with Michael Rooker. Yeah. And a few yeah. other people, B-level yeah. character actors 
Yeah. You know, but like a decent cast, Nathan Fillion was in it as well. Yeah. And it was his first non-trauma movie, and it wasn't bad. Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, there was one trauma movie I was obsessed with in high school, and it was a direct-to-VHS movie called Blade. Yeah. A lawnmower at a golf course that went crazy and started killing people, and it was so dumb, but I loved it. I just loved yeah. that low-budget. Uh, evil lawnmower movie. Really? So the, so the right-wingers got up all of James Gunn's uh, old tweets and demanded that Disney fire James Gunn, which they did, and then Warner Brothers just scooped him up and it's just like, James Gunn, oh, we've been waiting for you because our uh, the DCEU is just completely in the shithouse and so we need you. Yeah. so excited and come with us we're giving you the keys to the to the big boys. We want to sign you to make the next Superman movie. Yeah. And James Gunn uh, uh, wisely said, um, fuck no. <coughs> Superman is lame. I'm not doing Superman. And also, I'm not sure if you're fully aware of my odeur, when I kind of already did see a, make a Superman movie, I'm assuming you didn't see Brightburn. Yeah. But anywho, so, so WB said, well fine, if you don't want to make a Superman movie, then you can, you can adapt any DC comic book you want, anything you want, at all, period, and I'm a little bit upset that James Gunn didn't pick my favorite DC comic book, Captain Carrot and his amazing zoo crew. Yeah. Little bit upset, because uh, a James Gunn Captain Carrot movie is just right up my alley. Not to mention the fact that in the first issue, in order to get people to buy Captain Carrot and his amazing zoo crew, there was an interdimensional war pulp and Starro the Conqueror, the bad guy from this movie, uh, tries to destroy the animal universe. And so Superman shows up. The regular Superman teams up with Captain Parrot to defeat Starro. Yeah. A lot of kiddie comic books back in, when I, in the 80s would be like, okay, here is the first issue of Heathcliff, the comic book. Better put Spider-Man in there. Yeah. So I'm assuming that this is the DC equivalent of that. But, uh, uh, yeah, so James Gunn uh, chose Suicide Squad, and they gave him 100% free reign, and I really appreciate that, because Marvel is very specific about what you can do with their characters, but DC was just like, uh, uh, hey, you do whatever you want. Be as gory and as filthy as you want. You want nudity? Go for it. Kill whoever you want to. You want to kill Harley Quinn? Fucking do it. Uh, right now, the DCEU is basically the Wild West, so just kill whoever the fuck you want. It doesn't matter. Cool. And so I was actually, so that worried me. And I went into this movie the first time I saw it going like, fucking Harley Quinn could die in this film. There is a good possibility that they could die in this film. And uh, there was a character who died uh, near the end that I was surprised about. 
I was surprised at the fact that there really is this motherfucker side. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, uh... But then a number of stars back in the MCU, a number of the stars put their foot down and said, uh, I'm not doing a third Guardians of the Galaxy film without James Gunn. So Disney wanted James Gunn back, and Disney and Marvel and, the, and DC and Warner Brothers, they all reached an agreement that, like, fine, you can have James Gunn back uh, only after finishing the Suicide Squad. Now, James Gunn uh, has done the Suicide Squad, and now he's back to work with Disney on Guardians of the Galaxy 3. He is also, once again, going to be a consultant slash screenwriter. But, but, but let's, let's stop a moment and, and, you know, a lot of those tweets and comments that he made, man, they were really on the rough side. And, like, I'm not opposed necessarily to make a pedophile joke, you know? But, like, man, I, I, I don't know. If you, if you throw somebody out of Hollywood for it, though, you know, I'm not sure. But also, I, I think one of the reasons why I'm so easy to forgive James Gunn for some of his horrible tweets is also, is also like, I understand you going that far in dark humor when you are thinking, oh my god, I'm a big time director. I'm directing a trauma movie. You yeah. know, like, okay, you're a member of the trauma family. Yeah, exactly. So I can fucking understand you being like a horrible motherfucker on Twitter. Yeah. If you are thinking at this moment, this trauma movies are the biggest thing I'm ever going to do, then yeah, you're going to be yeah. a fucking douchebag on Twitter. And, and like his, no? his whole gig is trying to get as far out there as you can... Yeah. You know? So, you know, like, I, I, that's why I say, like... Yeah. Everybody makes, occasionally makes a joke that bombs. You yeah. know? And I don't know how much you should hold him... Like, what are we saying? Are we saying he, he's a pedophile because he made some bad pedophile jokes? Yeah. You know? I mean... He missed his mark on some of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So is that worth throwing him out in the ether? Yeah. Anyway, the whole story is fucking convoluted, but if it wasn't for if it wasn't for those tweets resurfacing, we never would have gotten the suicide squad. So that's yeah. that's a weird way to look at it, you know? They're like, the reason why this movie exists is because right-wingers uh, went back and found offensive tweets from someone. That's weird. That is some weird-ass shit. Uh, okay, so I, have a, I, have a, I have a question, though. Because I've, I've watched it three times now. 
and I've enjoyed it each time. But something I keep missing. Did Melvin exist before Polka Dot Man mentioned, brought up Melvin? When Melvin, I'm sorry, Milton, Milton. What do you mean? Was he in the? Was he actually in the movie before that? Because I don't remember Milton. Yeah, Milton. Milton was the like fat foreign guy who was their contact that got them into the city and was mainly driving them around. Okay. And so, like, so when they finally enter, like, Jodenheim, which is a really funny thing to have in this movie because Jodenheim yeah. is a place in Thor which Idris Elba was also in. Yes. So... When they go into Jotunheim, I thought that that was odd, because it's like, wait a second, why is your driver with you? Yeah. This seems a bit odd. This, uh, as the young people would say, this is a bit sus. Yeah. So when he finally died, I liked, the, I liked that whole thing. Milton! Who? Milton! I, I, liked, I liked all of that. Yeah. But yeah, that's who he was. So, yeah. So he was throughout all of that. The entire ending I really loved. Especially when uh, Polka Dot Man. Yes. Oh, so good. So now, James Gunn is finally done with the Suicide Squad. He's back at Disney. He's back at Marvel. He's working on Guardians of the Galaxy 3. He will also once again be writing all of the Guardians of the Galaxy scenes in Taika Waititi's upcoming Thor sequel. Yes. Because that will be featuring uh, Jane Foster as Thor, and also Thor, who is now a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. So they will have a part in it, however big or small, and Jane's going to be writing all of that. And also, and and we've seen it. You know, we've had we've had a look at that before, and it's a good pairing. Thor, for whatever reason, worked with Taika. Really works well with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh yeah, I'm super excited for that team. You know, their their sensibilities work very well with each other. Yeah. And I'm really excited to see the new Thor movie and a, just another Taika Waititi superhero movie. Although I will say, I am deeply upset that apparently in the new Thor movie, Thor has started eating right and has lost weight. I am going to miss Fat Thor. I kind of enjoyed Fat Thor. I'm going to miss the big Lebowski Thor. Yes. Uh, I, I'm really going to miss that. So, I also, it should be noted, James Gunn is currently working on a Christmas special. And I'm so excited for this. It is entitled, it, it is scheduled to be released at the end of next year, and it is a live-action, hour-long special that will be titled The Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. And I just know in my heart of hearts, all we know is the title, and that James Gunn will be writing it and directing it, and it will be live action. 
but in my heart of hearts, I just hope and pray that this is James Gunn doing a Guardians of the Galaxy themed parody of the goddamn Star Wars holiday special. Yeah. That is a dream to me. <laughs> and the plan is, is that when James Gunn is then finished with the MCU, he will be returning to the DCEU, where he is now rumored to be writing and directing, wait for it, Gotham City Sirens! Okay. So, so they're just having James Gunn steal everything from David Ayer. So death to David Ayer, long live James Gunn. Very excited about that. Also, they just wrapped up the John Cena Peacemaker TV show. Yeah. Where are they going to be putting their TV shows? Uh, HBO Max, the same place that oh. uh, the Suicide Squad uh, screened when it came out. So yeah, uh, James Gunn wrote and directed that too. It's coming out soon. It's coming out uh, January 2022, which isn't that far away. So we're, we're I wasn't a... I wasn't as big of a fan of John Cena in this movie in comparison to the other characters. John Cena and Idris Elba, they played well off of each other being similar type characters, but their interactions tended to drag the movie down a bit, I think. The way that the way that I saw John Cena's character was that uh, Captain America got the Punisher pregnant. Yes. And their baby was John Cena. Yes. And so that was my mindset going into the Suicide Squad. And that helped me just care about his character more. <laughs> that it's just the hardcore, almost blind patriotism of like 1940s and 50s Captain America, but with the like revenge, bloodthirst factor of the punch. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just didn't feel. No, no, I totally got that. I just didn't feel that it it was as entertaining as some of the other characters. Yeah, I get that. I get you know. That. And pretty much the same with Idris Elba as well. His his character was too serious for the rest of the for yeah. the rest of the people on the team. You know? Yeah, I understand that. I feel that too. But I absolutely loved Harley. I loved Polka Dot Man. I liked King Shark. I was not in love with him because I saw a, a Hulk clone. Uh, and, but I loved Rat Girl as well. One of the things that I love about this movie is that they trick you. They tried to trick you. It, so many people did press for this movie and said, oh, yeah, I... I'm John Cena, and uh, I am here with my, uh, with my, uh, my, uh, my, uh, supporting cast member, 
Lulabore. We are both in the Suicide Squad. Like, Michael Rooker did press for the Suicide Squad, and uh, yeah. Pete Davidson did press for the Suicide Squad, and fucking, uh, uh, um, like, Nathan Fillion did press for the Suicide Squad, and that made you think, oh, well then, maybe Pete Davidson will die 30 minutes in, 45 minutes in, but people did press for this movie that died nine minutes into the fucking movie. Yeah. And that is really fucking like, wow, you really went out of your way to try and trick people into thinking that, like, here's this massive team of people that will be in the Suicide Squad. I'm like, no, a lot of the people who did the press for this died quickly. Yeah. It's like, that was a neat little trick you did there, uh, James Gunn. Fucking, that was awesome. So that's all very, I I like this. Very fun movie. Yeah, it was fun. And that's what I'm going for. Because the summer sucks, we watched, uh, we focused, we took deep dives into IMDb's list of the bottom 100 worst movies of all time, and it was horrible, and it sucked, and so... Between that summer and the time in uh, the end of September and all of October where you take over the podcast, yes. I just wanted to show some fun-ass shit. And so next week, I am so fucking excited to be doing one of my top three movies of the year. Okay. I absolutely love so much. Next week, we're doing the supernatural, horror, mystery, whodunit, comedy, Werewolves Within. Werewolves Within. It has a great cast, including Guillermo from the TV show What We Do in the Shadows. Yeah. And... Uh, the host of Baby of the Year from the greatest television show of all time, I think you should leave with Tim Robbins, and the greatest show of all time, despite what Bunny might tell you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if Bunny should be a part of my dangerous night crew anymore. Because he did not like I think you should leave. Uh, it's got a great cast, it's funny, and it's a, it's a werewolf movie, but it's also a Type who done it, and it's funny, and it's a it's a it's a horror movie, but it's not too gory. It's just fun and funny, and I am in love with it, and it is so good, and I can't wait to do it for the podcast. Also, this is me not saying that you should go to the Pokemon Films Facebook group, where there definitely won't be a link to a fan-made version of the Suicide Squad soundtrack. Because they they released a soundtrack of music, but of course it didn't have all of the music because they couldn't get the rights to Jim Carroll, they couldn't get the rights the rights to, uh, I don't know, like God, like seven years. Yeah. And then they also did a score, and, and so there's a fan-made Suicide Squad soundtrack that has all of the music that was used in a bit of the score, and it's definitely not available for free for you to download right now by going to the Pope on Film Facebook group. So this is me 
emphatically saying don't yes. go there to look for a link to download the soundtrack for free right now because it's just not there. Yes. And if it is there, then I don't know, maybe we were hacked, but this is me emphatically saying that it's definitely not there. Yes. So, next week, Werewolves Within, we will also be talking about the, the number two greatest baseball player of all time. I have a new business venture that I'm really excited about. And we might talk, we might have wrestling news because just every day a million things are happening right now. Yes, of which I really, I'm kind of getting out of the loop now because some of these people I just don't know. So I don't know why it's impressive that they showed up. Yeah, I get that. Um, but. Yeah, like, I have never once seen, uh, what is it, SLC Punk, SCL Punk? CM Punk. CM Punk. Yeah. Oh. Never what? once saw this purple person re- wrestle, but at least I know, okay, he was a very popular wrestle, wrestler who left weirdly and has shown up here. So, okay, I get that. Yeah. But, yeah... It's an insane time to be uh, to be keeping your eye on the world of professional wrestling. So we might do that next week. But now that I'm looking back at this week, oh, the ups and the downs. Uh, Andy Warhol and Emus and Shang-Chi, Willem Dafoe's penis. I gotta say, I think that this has been a pretty good episode of the podcast. This has been a damn... Good episode. Okay, good. I felt the same way, you know, I said, I think that this will be a damn good one, but I didn't want to say that because you're the one who makes that distinction, not me. I don't want to step on the But anyway, anywho, I concur with your assessment, good sir. So until next week, I am Buddy Williams. And I am Reverend Steven on behalf of Natasha Maxwell... Eleanor, Mal, and everyone else in the house. I just want to say thanks for listening, and we will see you next week, you godless heathens!